Andre Dawson, Hall of Famer from the Chicago Cubs, and you're listening to the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast featuring everybody's favorite coach, Coach Manaman. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Manaman. This is the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. I am Coach Manaman. Thank you for listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other major podcast platforms. For the latest news and notes and baseball content from the tri-state area, find us on social media, Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast on Facebook and Instagram, and at Coach Manaman on Twitter. Welcome back to the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. As always, this is everybody's favorite coach, Coach Manaman, welcoming you to our most popular episode from previous years, our 2023 high school baseball season preview. For people that are new to the podcast, if you're looking for a certain coach or looking for a certain program, go ahead and check out the episode description and find the timestamps for the programs that are being spotlighted in this episode. I encourage you to listen to them all. This episode and this season would not be possible if it wasn't for the great sponsors of the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. Don't forget to check out these sponsors on social media. A quick Google search will lead you to them all. They are Dugout Sports. Thank you to Jay Wannell for his sponsorship. We have two insurance agencies sponsoring the podcast this season, the New Eagle Group Insurance, also Nolan Weber Insurance through American Family Insurance. Foley Distributing is back for another round of sponsorships, and also Tyler Ernson from Genuine Landscape and Design. Don't forget to swing by Apple Podcast and Spotify. Subscribe to the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast and give a five-star review. Stepping into the batter's box first of the state champion Western Dubuque Bobcats, my old boss, my old middle school teacher, Casey Bryant. The show is starting off with a bang as we welcome in state champion coach Casey Bryant. Coach, how does it feel to be a state champion? Wow, that was an exciting run you guys had. Yeah, it was pretty special. Um, you know, I still have to pinch myself every once in a while to make sure that I believe that this still happened. Um, and I think I had a smile on my face for a few weeks after that, for sure. It's It was an incredibly rewarding season for us. And, you know, realized, you know, how big a deal it is. For you know to win your first state title, and I was just incredibly proud of our guys to you know their commitment to being prepared and how hard they worked at it. And it was just cool to see this group accomplish it. I've I've known these kids. You know, my son was in that grade, and I know, I've known these kids since they were you know knee high to a grasshopper. So pretty exciting stuff. Coach, the one thing that I love about the Western Dubuque program since starting this podcast, I hear everything. I know everything. I get messages from people complaining about everything, and, and I, I never get a message about people ever speaking poorly about you or complaining about you, and, and I think that just goes to the culture that you've built. I think that goes to the, to the Western Dubuque kids, because 
you have some kids that played some huge roles, whether it was defensively, but yet you DH for them or pitch every fifth day and they never get an opportunity to hit. And it just shows the culture that those kids would do anything to win a state championship. So speak about the role players and the kids who we don't read about every single day in the newspaper that really provided that spark to get you guys over the top. Because I know, and you know, to win a state championship, you have to have guys that come out of nowhere that have a remarkable season or have a career-like year, as they would say in the professional leagues. Well, I guess I'll start by saying to win a state title, it really has to be a community-wide effort. You know, it starts with having a supportive um, admin uh, great assistant coaches uh, that are committed and, and have a, a vision and are willing to um, put in the time and, and care about kids. And so we have great, great coaches in our program um, that, that are committed, driven, and are, are in that pursuit of excellence. They're not just coaching to earn the paycheck and put in the time. Um, you know, we have, our wives, you don't have to take a, a bigger role at home. And, you know, I, I appreciate my wife and, and Jesse does his wife as well. Um, you have to, it's, it's a family affair. Um, you know, our booster club's outstanding. They're, they're very committed to, you know, giving us the things we need that, uh, and, and jumping on board with the vision that we have. Um, our youth coaches, you know, we had some tremendous youth coaches um, that coach these guys all the way up through and, and uh, it was pretty cool after the state championship game. I, I grabbed the two coaches that coached those two grades, primarily the junior and senior grades, and and uh, had them jo- join in in a, in a picture. So I just wanted to make sure they knew they were appreciated and that they were a big part of it. You know, and then you can't mention – you have to mention a great group of parents. Um, and we really didn't have any issues with, you know, parents that were, you know, more concerned with the role their kid was playing versus – the success of our team. So, but specifically players, you know, we had some role guys, you know, one guy I'm really going to miss, you know, he didn't get to play much, but his name's Hunter Overton. And that kid was always, he was the last first one to practice. The last one to leave every night. You know, if we had field work, he would be the one grabbing the wheelbarrow, carrying, you know, a great big load of dirt down to the, to the field. He was just one of those guys that did the little things. You know, he was in our dugout saying the right stuff. Uh, just love the kid. I wish I could have him another year, to be honest with you. Um, Nathan Rowling uh, was a, a big role player for us. You know, he played great on defense when we needed him to fill in on defense. And, you know, he started off as probably one of our six or seven or eight pitchers, and he pitched in the tournament. You know, he won the first game of the tournament for us. So, um, he got better and better throughout the year, and, and he actually went down to Kirkwood and and had the best numbers of anyone that tried, like 50 people try out for their team, and he had the best numbers of any of them. Now, they didn't keep him because with COVID, they're so backed up with talent right now, but he's a good baseball player. Um, I would say, you know, Zach Gale was another role player that uh, pitched for us when we needed him. He, he was a pitcher only, but he did a great job for us. And uh, Thomas Blair played some big innings defensively for us in the outfield. You know, and that's just guys that aren't. Um, our backup catcher, 
did a great job for us running the bullpen. Um, and we had guys charting in dugouts. And everyone was bought in. You know, it didn't matter if they were playing or not. Everybody was rowing the boat the same direction. Coach, I uh, just want to throw in some insight from when I was in the program. I remember when I was there and we were transitioning into the MVC and there was all this talk with the small community. Are you going to be able to handle playing these big schools? And I think since they've had that talk, I've heard, I'm not sure if it's true, they are building a whole new wing at the high school because they need to put all these state championship trophies in there from all the different sports. So so kudos to the community. And I do want to say I'm a little disappointed in you, Coach. So little backstory here. I was officiating a semi-pro baseball game at Piazza, and somebody walks on the, on, on the sidewalk, and they yelled my name, and I had no idea who it was. There was this guy with this big, scruffy beard, and it was Coach Bryant. And he said he made a promise to his kids that he was not going to shave his beard until they lost. Well, I checked Bound before we came on. You guys are on a seven-game winning streak, but that beard is trimmed. So how come we trim that beard, Coach? I was expecting it to be down to your chest area here. Well, I I had to give a little. uh, My wife's not a big fan of the beard look. And uh, she didn't want me to look like Father Christmas, I think. So I had to trim it up a little bit. I I just recently trimmed mine because my two-year-old and my nine-month-old would get a kick out of pulling it and seeing how how high they could get Dad to scream. But I do want to introduce someone in the first time in the history of the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. You've hinted at it, and I want to lead into an audience question, but we have assistant coach Jesse... Lawler joining us here. Jesse, welcome to the podcast for the first time. Thanks for joining us. How are things going? If you had to talk about last year, what would be your most exciting moment or what did you take in the most that you are still in awe to today, uh, roughly nine, ten months from from winning that state tournament? Yeah, first off, thanks for having us. Um, always love talking baseball and Bobcat baseball specifically. Um, to go off Coach Bryant's point, just the role acceptance this group of players had from 1 through 27, it did not matter what they were doing, whether you were a bullpen catcher, whether you were the guy warming up the left field. Every single one of them guys came to the ballpark every single day and they said, I'm going to be the best bullpen catcher today. I'm going to be the best warm-up to left fielder today. And in my opinion, it's what made us the team we were. And that is a testament to the parents raising an awesome group of guys. But not only that, but just the group of guys themselves. They were top-notch, high-character from top to bottom. And it was one of the most fun years I mean, obviously the best moment, right? Winning the state title, turning around, looking at Casey and him just sitting there. I'm like, hey, we just won state. What, what, what just happened? And giving each other massive hugs and then finding the other coaches and the players. And it, it's like Casey said, it's, it's uh, every now and again you got to pinch yourself. You know, I'm in my favorite place in my house right now, right next to my two frame state championship articles. And Every time you look at them, it's a new memory pops into your head or an awesome memory from that day. And it's it's a run that you'll never forget. 
Coach Lawler and Coach Bryant, thanks again for joining me on the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. We had an audience question come in today. And the audience question is brought to you by our sponsor, the New Eagle Group. Reach out to them for a quote. Thanks to Coach Ryan Mabe from Beckman for setting up that sponsorship. And they want to know, Coach Bryant, how does your assistant coach, Coach Lawler, impact the team? He has a re- he seems to have a really wonderful relationship with the kids. What can you tell us about Coach Lawler? Well, first of all, I want to... What I can say is, um, you know, I, I'd say this whether he was on the podcast with me or not. Uh, he's been a, he's made a major impact in his few years with the program. Um, I think our culture's stronger. Um, he is the epitome of what an assistant coach should be. He's loyal, has great ideas. Um, he's very committed to being a, a great baseball coach, and he's going to be a fantastic head coach when it's time for me to ride off into the sunset. Um, our, our program is definitely in solid footing for the future. You know, obviously there's a little work to do before that, but uh, he's really got a great relationship with the kids. Uh, he's respected. Um, all of his feedback is positive. Um, there's not too many decisions that I will make without getting his opinion on it because I respect it so much. And, and honestly, this is the first time I've had an assistant coach that wants to be a head coach in the future. And I'm loving every minute of it and uh, trying to increase his footprint in the program every single year. Uh, and that's why I wanted to, wanted him to be part of this tonight is, um, you know, he is the future for, of Western Butte baseball. And uh, I'm very proud of him. He played for me uh, and he was the same kind of player as he is a coach. Um, I still miss him as a player, honestly. Um, but since I can't have him, I'm thrilled to have him as a coach. Now, Coach, we talk about building culture, and that's those are kind of the buzzwords now, but it's been going on for a long time. We know that culture is laid way before you ever have that great outstanding year, whether you win a conference or you win a state championship. Let's connect with uh, some of your past alumni. Are there any guys playing college baseball from the previous years? If so, who are they? Where are they playing and how are they doing? We have seven guys. Um, hopefully I'm not forgetting anybody. We have, we have seven guys that I can think of that are currently playing. Uh, obviously everybody knows Calvin Harris is playing Ole Miss at Ole Miss, um, national champions last year. And he had a big, big role in that championship, but he's catching every single day. I think he catches, uh, they play well, one, two, three, usually five, six games a week and he's catching all of them, but they usually rest him once a week. And when he rests, he, he plays a different position. Um, he's batting third form, leading leading them in hitting, uh, and just having a fantastic. He's making a lot of money right now, to be honest with you, uh, because he'll be eligible for the draft this summer, and uh, he's really playing some fantastic baseball. Super proud of him. Kyle Lehman uh, is another great former Bobcat. Uh, this is a pitcher in three years on the mound for us. He is a starting pitcher at Mount Mercy. He's currently three and one with like a two point eight nine ERA, pitching great for them. Casey Perrineau is a starting pitcher at Southeastern Community College. Uh, he's 3-1. and one. He's probably their ace on the hill. It's kind of hard to tell um, looking at their stats, but he has their best numbers by a long shot. His ERA is right around three. Dylan Guy is playing his COVID year at Minnesota State <clears throat> University, a Division II school. Used to be called Mankato State. And uh, 
he's four and one with a 2.5 ERA, so he's he's doing really well. Uh, Greg Bennett is pitching for um, Clark University, and his ERA is 1.85, and he's pitched. He's one and one with a save, so they're using him, and he's he's throwing well. Um, Tucker Nauman and Brent Van Tiger, uh, state champs last year. Tucker's a pitcher on Southeast Community College's roster. And Bryn Van Tiger is a catcher with Clark. We have another freshman, Garrett Kadolf, who had a big senior year for us last year. was a really big part of our state championship run. And he is playing at Augustana College. Um, and he's not getting a lot of playing time yet. He's a freshman, and you have all those COVID guys there. So he's behind some guys. But uh, we expect some really big things from him in the next couple of years. So those are the seven guys that I'm aware of that are still playing college ball right now. And it looks like all of them are being really successful. All high character kids, too, as well. Well, we've talked about the past. We talked about last year. Let's focus on this year. The Bobcats are coming off a 32-11 and season overall. They were 20-9 and in the Mississippi Conference. They are graduating nine seniors. Coach, Tell me about some of the returning players. And Coach Lawler, you can jump in at any point, too. Do the Bobcats have any all-conference or all-district players returning, even an all-state player? And if you do, what is it about those players that put them a cut above the rest to earn those distinct honors? Well, we have four returning starters, uh, position player guys. Um, we also have um, a couple other guys that were starting pitchers for us coming back. But uh, out of our four returning starters, three of them were All-State. Uh, two of them were first-team All-State. The other one was a third-team All-State guy. And the fourth guy is another pretty good player named Brett Harris. So uh, really great core coming back. All, all four of them were um, – or all three of those guys were top-of-the-order guys. So our top three guys in the order are back. Uh, and then Isaac Thane batted fifth for us. So we have a nice nucleus to build from, for sure. Um, we also have Ryan Klosterman won five games on the mound for us. Uh, Connor Myers had some really bright moments as a pitcher, and we're expecting great things from him as a pitcher and also a position player this year. Great. Um, our pitcher is back, Braden Delaney. He had one start behind the plate last year. And he's improved tremendously. We're, think, we're thinking he's going to have a nice season for us as well. Colton McElrath uh, started a lot of games at shortstop when um, our other shortstop was hurt last year. And uh, I think he had around 10 or 12 starts. So he uh, has some experience and he played really well defensively. So we're feeling really good about him as well. Um, there's a lot of other role player guys that got on the field um, that we're happy about. We think are going to do a good job for us. And then some of our JV guys and some of our sophomore guys have really taken a big step forward. I've been really, really impressed with the group so far. Coach, I mentioned earlier you're graduating nine seniors. Who are some of the guys that we may not have heard from too much last year, but who are some of those guys you are hoping that might be new to the varsity roster that are going to fill some of those voids, plug some of those holes that we haven't mentioned yet? Well, a lot of a lot of positions are, are open. Um, we don't have really we don't have any entitlement in our program, um, so it's, there's some open competitions between some guys. Um, but we feel really good about a lot of guys. Um, I think Hunter Quagliano has really 
making a big positive step this year uh, from where he was in the past. His swing looks great. Obviously, we haven't seen him play any defense yet, but um, offensively, he looks really good. Connor Myers, I think, is really going to have a great year. I'm really impressed with how – I mean, he's 20 pounds stronger than he was last year. Um, Braden Delaney has done absolutely everything you can ask a backup catcher to do to be ready to, to take a bigger role um, catching-wise. I already mentioned Colton McElrath. Really good, solid defensive infielder. Um, a, a role for us. Uh, another um, bigger first baseman type kid that can really hit. Uh, off our sophomore team, um, Colin McDermott, had, he impressed the heck out of us last year, and we darn near kept him on varsity last year. So um, we think he's going to have uh, opportunity to compete for a spot. You know, Jonah Markham, tremendously. I'm very impressed with what Jonah's, what he's done in the weight room and then, and also just uh, cleaning some things up fundamentally. Um, geez, I could go on and on. There's there's a bunch of guys I'm happy with so far, and it's too early to, you know, Clayton Lindecker has looked great on the mound, and um, his swing has really come a long way. You know, for us, we have guys that uh, – you know, we've kind of made our living on guys that nobody knows about that just grind and they, they work their way up the ladder. And next thing you know, they're playing a major role for us. And, you know, that's why we kind of, we, I guess we kind of play the underdog role and, and relish that role. I know we won state last year, but losing five starters, you know, probably no one's really expecting a lot out of us, but I think we're going to be pretty soft, pretty sound team. Coach Lawler, the great thing about an assistant coach is everybody loves you. The starters love you. The kids who aren't playing, their families love you because, you know, if you were the head coach and that jerk coach Bryant wasn't coaching, you would be starting their kids. But I know when I was an assistant coach at Hempstead, I just had those kids that I loved. I had those kids that I was pulling for. Who are some of the kids that maybe either Coach Bryant has mentioned or maybe some that he hasn't mentioned that you think can contribute this year? Yeah, I'll start with Braden Delaney. Like Coach Brian said, he has done everything you ask. He comes and he asks, Coach, what can I do to get better? You give him tips, you give him ideas. He is in the weight room or he is out at the facility the next day. It's it's I'm really pulling for him. And like Coach Brian said, he has gotten a lot better. Um, Colton McElrath, um, he, I've known him since he was a sophomore and He's going through a little bit of an injury right now, but I'm expecting big things out of him at on the middle infield position this year. Um, Colin McDermott, I'm super pumped for Colin McDermott. Like Coach Bryant said, we it was a conversation up to the last minute last year. Like, do we keep him? Do we send him down to get a B, a B's? Like, what do we do? And I'm super stoked at the possibility of him this year. And like Coach Bryant said, we can go on and on. They're, these kids are awesome. They work hard. They do everything you ask. It's not not me, me, me. They are all about rowing the boat in the same direction and trying to do what's best for the team. They want the team to succeed, not just themselves. And it's it's awesome. And it's something great to be a part of. You guys have mentioned three former players from when I was coaching the program. I will say I love 
Colton McElrath and Braden Delaney. They have a thing that not a lot of kids have these days. They have a very high baseball IQ, always in the right place, always backing up the bases, always backing up that throw from the catcher with a guy on third base. And then you mentioned him early, Thomas Blair, high character kid that just pushes every single person to to be better. Now, people listening to this, we are recording this earlier than what we normally would with the games being pushed up a week and me now being an umpire and having two rugrats running around the house. Time is is very difficult for us to do this. It's early yet. It's the end of March. Walk us around the horn. Do we have any returning starters on the infield? Do we have some position battles going on. What's the depth chart looking like right now based on performances in the offseason, based on what guys did last season? Well, let's start at first base. Um, you know, we have Isaac Thane back. He started about half the games, if not more, last year. Uh, when he's not, He'll be starting there when he's not pitching. And um, he's a solid first baseman, lefty, um, scoops the ball well, hits the ball well. Where obviously he's a first team all state player. <clears throat> when he's not when he's pitching or we want to rest him and let him DH, um, Connor Krogman has a chance to carve out some time at first base. Uh, and and a couple other guys as well. Um, Hunter Quagniano could play some first. Uh, we tried him there a little bit, but he's spent all last year in the outfield and he looked pretty good in the outfield and he's uh, it depends on how, how hard he works on defense. So I'm not sure where he'll end up. I, I think we'll, he hits so well, I think we'll find a spot for him somewhere. Um, you know, When we lost Tucker at third base, we lost a really steady player and probably one of the best leaders I've ever had, Tucker Nauman. Um, but I think there's several guys that are going for that spot. Connor Myers, Clayton Lindecker, Nolan Morrison, among others. Um, at short, we have uh, three guys that I think Thinking about that position, uh, we'll know more when we get out on the field. But Colton McElrath, of course, has the most experience. Then we have a junior named Luke Callahan. That's a pretty good athlete. Um, and then we have a transfer coming in. He's not here yet, but he's moving in uh, in, in April. His name's T.J. Cook. and He started at shortstop for McCulloch Valley last year. Um, I haven't seen him play, um, but I know he was a starting varsity shortstop in the past, so he's probably got some skills. We'll, we'll have to see how he fits. Um, in right field where Jack Clemens was, um, you know, Colin McDermott, Jonah Markham, Hunter, Thomas Blair are guys we've mentioned that we, we feel good about. Um, Brett Harris is going to pitch a lot more this year. Uh, Nolan Morrison pitches. Uh, Jonah Markham, Thomas Blair, Luke Callahan, Colin McDermott, TJ Cook, all those guys pitch. So um, we'll have to see how they, how they perform once we get out on the field. But all of them have some potential. I don't know, Coach, did I miss anybody that's games, but um, this early in the year, it's hard not to mention them all. Mm-hmm. It is, and I've always had those guys that really come from out of nowhere uh, to help make the season, and then maybe some guys that you have big aspirations for that either get banged up or get injured or don't or don't have quite the year you were hoping they would have. Looking at your pitching staff, Coach, I did a little research. You need to replace... Four pitchers from the staff. You need to replace 15 wins and 118 innings. 
During the off-season workouts, how are things looking? If you had to name an opening day starter right now, who would it be? How does the rest of the rotation look and fall after that? Well, that first question is probably the easiest question you've ever given me. Um, you had a first-team All-State pitcher who was 8-0 last year. Isaac Thane is probably our, our ace. I feel really good about him. He's looked great all winter. Um, you know, our number two pitcher, it's, it's up in the air. Ryan Klosterman had some big innings in the state championship game, or the state tournament, I should say, and he won five games for us, so he's got the potential to, to carve out a nice role for himself. Connor Myers has looked awesome all winter long. Um, if he's consistent, he will be a, a, a tough pitcher to beat. I could see him being in our top three pitchers. Um, and then we got guys like Brett Harris, JT Goodman had a 2.85 ERA last year. Um, he was injured uh, during basketball season and had to get a shot in his knee. Missed a lot of our offseason pitching last year. You know, spot started him, pitched him, you know, worked his pitch count up gradually throughout the year. Uh, but by the end of the year, he was a starter for us and uh, pretty dominant. A really good pitcher for us. Um, I think Clayton Lindecker and Tanner Anderson are some guys that have kind of come out of nowhere that have the opportunity to get some starts for us and, and do some good things. Um, then a, a bunch of those guys I already mentioned that um, could possibly replace some of those innings that Nathan Rowling and Zach Gale provided for us last year. Um, Nolan Morrison, Jonah Markham, Thomas Blair, Luke Callahan, Colin McDermott, and TJ Cook. All of those guys could, could be in the running. And we know with the pitching rules now, you have to have a ton of pitchers. You can never have enough arms in the program. Coach, I know you get a ton of kids to those off-season workouts. I was a part of them. Who are, if you had to pick maybe a couple of guys that are in the program, whether they're going to be incoming freshmen or sophomores, maybe an eighth grader, who are some of those guys that we may not see this year, probably won't see this year, but could be the face of the program or could have a great varsity career in the next two or three years? Well, let's, let's start with the sophomores. Um, I've been running a lot of the sophomore stuff because we didn't have a sophomore. Yet. So I got a really good look at some of those guys. Um, we have two pitchers I'm really excited about that are both lefties, Jaden Thane and, and Brody Kramer. Uh, both of them have a very high ceiling. Uh, it's just a matter of getting them there. And uh, they've looked great all, all summer long, or all winter long, excuse me. And uh, Aaron Kraft looked Looks great on the mill. These are all strike throwers that can mix it up a little bit. Uh, they've looked, all three of those guys have looked really solid. Um, Brogan Stoudemire has looked good on the mound, um, and he's looked good in the cage as well. Um, the kid that's really stood out, I mean, just really stood out, I'm so impressed with how far he's come, is Colin Coyle. He's a sophomore catcher that I'm super excited about. Um, his future's bright. You know, the timeline for that is really depends on his performance, his comfort level, and, and uh, a lot of other things. But um, I think you're going to hear his name in the, in the next few years for sure. Um, freshmen, um, there's two stood out. There's a, there's a bunch of good freshmen. It's a great class. But the two that have really stood out are Ben Wernemont and uh, Brady Shackleton. Both of those guys can really swing it. They're athletes. They can run. They can field. They can do a lot of good things. Um, so those are some of the guys. Uh, the only eighth grader that I think just really kind of stands out 
uh, like he's way ahead of his time, is um, Sam McDermott. He's a, another catcher. Uh, we are definitely strong in the catching area. Um, we're, the future looks great at that position. He's just an eighth grader. He's a big kid, throws righty, bats left, got a great swing. Um, he came to the Calvin Harris camp. I got to know him a little bit in December, and uh, so I was super impressed with him. He's going to be a nice player someday. Coach, last question before we break away to hear from one of our sponsors and welcome in our next coach. You know this. The listeners may not. I am a huge Detroit Lions fan. They were recently featured on Hard Knocks, and they ended the season of Hard Knocks with the question, the 2022 Detroit Lions will. Well, we know the Lions had a rough stretch, and then they won eight of their last ten and somebody took all of the clips from their big wins from that eight-win stretch and put it in the back of uh, Dan Campbell's voice talking about the 2022 Lions. So I'm going to ask you the same question, but about the 2023 Bobcats. The 2023 Bobcats will. Well, I'm not much for, much for predictions, um, but what I can tell you is I, I really think this team has the potential to be a top-10 team um, in Class 3A. Um, whether we'll get there or not depends on a lot of factors, including work ethic, culture, um, chemistry, injuries, and a lot of other things. Um, but the one thing I can definitely say is we'll compete. Our kids play hard. Uh, they play the right way. Try to play anybody. Um you know, there's going to be times where we're going to get our lunch because our schedule is tough. It's, it's even tougher than it's been in the past. But uh, I know our kids will compete. They'll be excited to come to the ballpark, uh, and, and they will um, definitely play for one another. Before we break, though, Nick, I do have one thing that is new at Western Dubuque that I'd like Coach Lawler to share with you because it was his idea. He's, he's done a great job getting it off the ground, and that is we've started a new student manager program. You want to tell them a little bit about that, Coach? Let's hear about it. Yeah. So being the guy who goes through all the charts after games, right, I was looking for a way to expedite the process, right, because I, like you, I have two kids. One's three, one's going to be one. So, you know, spending hours on that stuff just wasn't working. And then, you know, sometimes not getting it back to them until a week later. Well, what good does a chart do if you can't put it into, you know, Put it into work the next day, you know, actionable results. So we going through Twitter and stumbled upon an article, and the article was um, titled How to Start a Student Manager Program. And I clicked on it, and it talked about guys at Iowa, guys at Penn State, all starting from scratch, bare bones. And I brought the idea to Coach Bryant, and we were actually on our way to the coaching clinic. and. None other than Barda from Johnston. He has a awesome student manager program. We ran into him. We started talking to him. And when we got back, we sat down with a couple player or a couple guys and expressed our interest in it and the possibilities it could lead for them. And they're going to spearhead it for us. Um, basically, analytics, you know doing all sorts of stuff, keeping programs on, you know, pitch selection, anticipation, positioning, defensive shifts, 
helping us with player development, what things guys can work on, what are the weak spots, you know, um, running rap Soto, and then helping us with charts, and then you know, hoping they can get big enough where we have our own video team, you know, videoing the guys, showing them their swing right after a BP round or showing them in-game, you know, fielding mechanics, pitching mechanics, all that stuff. And we are super excited that we have a handful of guys that are super interested in this. And I think it's going to be a big thing. And I am giddy about it every time I talk about it because it's something that, like Coach Brian said, I kind of put my heart into and soul and I can't wait for it to get off the ground and see the benefits that it brings to Westerby baseball. Coach Lawler, Coach Brian, I can't thank you two enough for joining me on the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. Coach, I've never shared this with you, but I, I wanted to. Every year we do this, and every year I have a conversation with you. I always get feedback. I always get messages from people telling me how they listen to you, and there's things that you do in your program that they are incorporating in their youth league team, or there are things that you do in your program that they want to incorporate into their high school, whether they're a freshman coach or a sophomore coach or a varsity. So guys, best of luck in this 2023 season, and stick around for a word from our sponsor. Nolan Weber Insurance through American Family Insurance is a proud sponsor of the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. Contact Nolan or a member of his crew at 563-258-5467 to request a quote. You can also find this highly reviewed agent on Facebook by searching Nolan Weber Insurance. Hitting out of the two-hole in this 2023 high school baseball season preview is head coach of the Cascade Cougars, Roman Hummel. Cascade is coming off a season where they were 20-6 and overall, 14-3 and in the conference, and were conference champs, and we know that season ended with a trip to the state tournament coach. Before we get into the 2023 season, let's reflect on the past a little bit. Any current alumni playing college baseball? If so, who are they and where are they playing? So we got a few guys that are uh, playing at the college level. We have some young guys that are uh, starting their seasons off. Tanner Simons at St. Ambrose and Jack Carr is at uh, at Loris College. Um Jack actually got um, an inning in against uh, the University of Iowa when they uh, played there. So it was really kind of exciting to watch. You know, I was following that game online kind of deal and whatever to see that happen. Um, we have a couple other guys. Riley Reed's at Clark. Um, Eli Green's at Southeastern. But Eli, um, unfortunately, has uh, just had Tommy John about a month ago. Um, so he had an injury that is going to – uh, make him miss the season, obviously, and then uh, he's signed to go to Eastern Illinois, I believe, at Division One there. Um, so he'll miss season this season, be able to uh, have three years of eligibility next year. And then uh, Reed Rausch is at uh, Co College, and Reed's playing really well, um, hitting 300 with a homer, a um, bunch of RBIs. Um, and I know he didn't play this weekend. He got hit on the hand and has a bone bruise, so he sat out this weekend. So hopefully he'll be back at it for uh, for Co. Coach, 
thanks for uh, going back to the past and way to those guys to do a great job of representing the program and best of luck to Eli in his recovery. Now, we have some audience questions here, and I don't know if you know this, Coach. I know you're a fan of Major League Baseball, but they uh, implemented a pitch clock this year. So these are the audience questions by sponsor Nolan Weber Insurance Rapid Fire Questions. I'm going to give you some rapid fire questions. You have roughly 15 seconds or so to answer the questions and give us a little bit of background. These came in from Coach Brindle and Jesse Gavin. So first one, what is the best baseball card trade you have ever made? Man, that this is a that's a tough one. I've made a bunch, but I think the best deal that I've ever made, I traded a couple of uh, Mickey Mantle cards for um, a Hank Aaron autograph, a mm. uh, certified autograph from him. So that's probably my best one that I look at as being pretty cherished. Do Do you still consider him the home run king? I don't. I consider Bonds. <laughs> um, uh, that's I don't know. Um, I'm a little torn on that in a way, but uh. You know what Bonds did is kind of crazy, yeah. and it's hard to not say that it's him, but uh, I don't know. I don't even know. The good thing with the debate is the card with that debate is, is worth more, where if it was for sure Bonds, who knows if it would be worth as much as it is. How much do you know, roughly, if you were trying to sell that now? What do you think you might get for it? Oh, gosh. I mean, I've seen it sell for anywhere from three to 400 bucks. The one that I have, it's nothing like not one of his early cards or anything like that. So it's nothing really um, like crazy spectacular. Baseball, but it's still pretty sweet. Baseball question for you, Coach. Uh, I don't know if the audience knows this, but you were a switch hitter. You're facing your son, Cooper who we know is a big, tall, lanky lefty. I shouldn't say lanky. He's put a lot of muscle on him. Are you batting left-handed or right-handed against him? Um, if I had to do it right now, I would have to say that I'd have to go left-handed. Um, if you <laughs> ask me maybe 20-some years ago, I would be able to certainly say right-handed. But uh, the right-hand swings kind of left me. So I don't even know what that would look like anymore. I love these questions here. We have some music questions, and I am a huge music fan, vinyl collector. Is Mrs. Potts' Lullaby by the Counting Crows their greatest song? Mrs. Potter's Lullaby. Um, I, For me, yes, it is. Um, a pretty good story behind it. Monica, Monica Potter, he wrote that song for her. She's an actress. And uh, saw her in Conair and wrote the song for her. And when he went to put it on one of the one of his albums uh there was some recording issues and he, they lost it all and she came in and listened to the recording and before she left he gave her um a copy of it and so she was talking to him or something along those lines happened where she uh he said we're not gonna have that song on the album so it's too bad what happened and then he kind of told her the story and she gave him the copy that she had and they were able to put that version on their on their album so Cool story behind that song, and yes, I think it is. Have you ever seen them live? I have not seen the Counting Crows. I, they were in Cedar Rapids during Ragbri, uh, oh gosh, a, a while back, I know. And I wanted to go, but didn't end up making it uh, to them at all. I would love to see them, but they are constantly on the list of worst live bands to see because... 
I don't think they really play a set list. I think they just come out and jam and play whatever they want to play for a couple hours and then just leave, which is hit or miss for some people. I didn't send this one your way, so it might catch you off guard. It came in late. Mississippi Band, what's their best song? So the Mississippi Band, so if you don't know, the Mississippi Band is a uh, band that my dad's played in basically his whole life, it seems. And so, um, you know, I've followed them since I was a kid, obviously. And then when, you know, he got older and could go to the bar and kind of check them out, I got to watch them a ton when I was, you know, and even still get a chance to do that. He's um, still playing at 74 years old, um, getting out there and doing music. So from my my favorite song that they've always done that's an original of theirs is called Sideways Down the Road. And I love it because every time he sings it, it's kind of like a different group of people that are in the car that are driving down the road and he'll throw our names in it and all that. And it's, it's the best. Too bad you and I couldn't go get a diet Coke out at Dagwoods and, and watch them play sometimes. <laughs> I think that's a, that's a thing of the past. Now these must be two memorable home runs for you in district games. What would be your favorite district home run? Blast versus Beckman off Ungs or Bellevue when they turned you around to the right side? So I, I thought of those two, and um, there's one that I would say that I um, is better than that, than both of those. So I, the one off Ungs was pretty um, memorable just because I know Nick really well still, and... Um, you know, the rivalry with Beckman is something that's always been pretty special, you know, between with me and with all the guys around and stuff at that time. Um, so that one probably sticks out the most. But the one that I I'll jump off of that a little bit is uh, we we that same year off of Bellevue um, when I hit one right handed and left handed. I did the same thing in our sub state final um, against Gardavillo. Um they did the same deal last. It was we were getting beat in, I want to say it was the sixth inning, and they brought in a lefty, and the first pitch I turned around, hit right-handed, hit a home run, and put us ahead, and we qualified for the state tournament with that one. So that's probably the one that sticks out even more to me than any of those two. Last audience question. Again, this section is sponsored by Nolan Weber Insurance. Kershaw or Koufax? Such a hard question for me. Um Part of the thing that I struggle with is not ever really getting to see Koufax throw like live or anything like that. I've watched a ton of video on him and just seeing what he's what how he went about stuff was unreal. But for me, just because of my era that I'm in and getting to see Kershaw, I've seen Kershaw throw live, um, you know, in person. I've seen him obviously on TV a ton of different times. I got to go with Kershaw. It's tough. One of my favorite pitchers of all time is Satchel Paige. And I've never seen him pitch. I've only seen videos. When I taught third and fourth grade, we would read a lot about Satchel Page. But yeah, if you ask me a pitcher now who's comparable, it's it's tough to it's tough to compare him. So I see your struggle with that. One last question, reflecting on last year and years previous, before we get in to the 2023 season preview, is last year you guys made a run to the state tournament. How special was that season for you? And what were some of the behind the scenes that the average fan would not see that went into that season, all the hard work? Uh, What really sticks out to me about the team that we had last year was like going into it with 
really in my own perspective, like with not a lot of expectations. Um, I, I know in years past when team, when you get the questionnaires and you know, people ask you about stuff, it's like, yeah, we have a lot of guys back. We should be really good. I, and that year I kind of told myself that I wasn't going to go into that with any of that type of expectation. It was just going to be more of, we're going to play and see how things just pan out for us. And, you know, I do going into it that, um, we had some really good pieces coming back, but I didn't know how things would mesh. You know, we had a big question mark with Mason Odding who had, um, towards ACL in football that season and, uh, wasn't sure how that was going to go for us. And, um, you know, how, how much your pitching depth was going to, um, how good it was going to be, you know, just having Jack as really the only big time proven type guy that's thrown bigger games for us. And so, I just said, I'm not even going to worry about it. I'm not going to bring it up. I'm not going to talk about it with anybody. I'm not even going to say anything about it. And so I think behind the scenes, you know, we just we felt like a year where we just played baseball. We didn't really say, hey, we could win a conference title. Hey, we could do this. Hey, we could do that. It's like whatever happens, happens in the season. And I think the one thing that it did for myself, for the players, is it just lets you just relax and not have to worry about, the, well, we should win this game. And if we lose this game, what's going to happen? And when I kind of removed any type of ex- expectation in a way, um, I think it made them relax and our guys just play baseball. And so, you know, behind the scenes trying to just really think about the things that we did is we tried to, you know, really make sure that we handled things the right way with certain players, you know, trying to make sure that we put Mason in a really good spot, um, you know, from the physical standpoint with him coming from injury, um, making sure that we had some of our younger pitchers that we're going to throw, that we put them in kind of spots where we knew that might be successful. And there was just a lot of like intricacies about that type of thing. And our, as the season went on, our guys just figured it out. And, um, you know, when you look at how our stats and just different things, nothing really jumps out at you as being super crazy with a bunch of home runs or a crazy high batting average. It seemed like we always had a, a random guy that really was going, you know, going really well during this little stretch or something that carried us for two or three games. And then somebody else would do it. And then somebody else would do it. And I think that's, you know, the thing that really sticks out to me about it was just how everybody stepped up, how everybody, you know, played really well. And I just, you know, I think of our district games and stuff and how, you know, it felt like, you know, some of the guys that I expected to have maybe better years offensively weren't going that great. And, guys in districts just picked it up and played really well. And it was like, man, we just had somebody else every single night that seemed to carry us. I'm going to say something to piggyback on what you said, and this is no disrespect to any of the guys on your roster, but you're exactly right. I I, I read all of the articles in the TH or any of the other um, newspapers that send out stories on your guys' games and there were a lot of people that toward the end of the season that had great games or had a great series that I had never heard of before. You mentioned Mason Odding coming off an injury. He had an on-base percentage of 365, swiped 10 bases in 10 attempts and he was like the king of the extra base hits. He had three triples and six doubles on the season. And I know toward the end, you guys had some great pitching performances from some young guys, and we're going to get into those guys a little bit later here. But coming off a 20-6 and season conference championships, I'm going to make a statement. I don't know if it's going to make a lot of sense, but it makes sense to me. You guys are not losing a lot, but you're losing a lot. 
And when I say that, I look at your roster, I think you have a solid chance of returning to state. When I say you're not losing a lot, you're graduating three seniors. But when I say you're losing a lot, you're losing Justin Justin Rowland, who got on base at a 468 rate. You're losing Jack Carr, who was 8-2 and two on the mound, who was an award winner of, of my podcast. And then you're also losing Tanner Simon, who last year had an on-base percentage of 479. Who are some of the players that are returning that will fill those voids? Do you have any all-state players returning or district or all-conference players returning? If so, who are they? And what makes those players a cut above the rest to receive such a distinct honor? So we have, um, you know, we had a Jack was our obviously a big part of what we did from the pitching perspective. I think that's the one thing that really, you know, kept us in all of our games last year was just our pitching was really, really good. We didn't put ourselves in a lot of tough spots. So obviously losing him is one of the is is really, really gonna be tough on the pitching staff part of this all. But we do bring back, you know, Cooper was an all district guy for us last year as a utility player. Um and then we also bring back um some an elite all-conference in Cade Roush and another couple of all-conference guys in Jack Minster and uh, Cass Huffman. And so, you know, looking at those those four guys, those award-winner type people that um, I think are all very, very good players, um, the thing that I always kind of think of when I look at, like, who we all have coming back, you know, like you said, I, you know, when you lose some of the players that you lose, sometimes you lose four or five guys and it's like, oh, that's kind of easy to replace and, you only lost three. You have everybody coming back, but like all three of those guys were significant contributors during our season, um, and that 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 makes it really tough. And but we do have a lot of really good players coming back, and um, you know things that I consider that I look at a little bit in, in terms of like what we need to do. Like I look offensively at Mason not being healthy all year long, and still he you know had some of the bigger hits for us in our district game to our, our sub state game to get us to the state tournament. You know, Jack Minster was phenomenal his sophomore year, didn't have as good of a year last year. And, you know, him just kind of just being who he is can help just really propel us. I mean, he's a, you know, one of those really kind of like special athletes that you have that you're like, man, I don't, that the season that he had last year is just not indicative of what type of player he is. You know, Cade Roush was pretty consistent all year long for us and did a pretty good job. Um, you know, and I expect those guys to all be bet, you know, to have just kind of a better year, you know, Mason, I think being healthy is going to help a ton. And then, uh, you know, looking from the other offensive perspective, we had Cass who was really good for us for pretty much the whole year. Ty Frazier was one that, you know, not a, an award winner or anything, but another returner that we had that played a lot and was really, really hot at the beginning of the year and kind of fizzled off a little bit as the season went on. Um, but definitely capable of really carrying us as well. And then Cooper as well, being another guy that um, had certain moments where he was really, really good. And just, you know, a lot of guys that weren't just consistent. And if we just get guys to be consistent, that's something that I think could be, you know, maybe the flip side of it where our pitching was really good last year. Offense might not have been great. I think our offense could be a lot better this year and our pitching might not be quite as great. Coach, you gave us a lot of scouting reports there. Walk us around the horn. Take us uh, from your catcher position around the infield. 
who might be some of those returning starters? What might position battles are going on? And who might be some of those guys that if somebody's pitching, they maybe fill a void at second base? And if you get to a guy that you haven't given us a scouting report or a little bio on, go ahead and insert that too. Uh, yeah, sure. So, you know, Cade Roush is back for um, for us as a starting catcher. Um, you know, going right around there, uh, Cooper would be back first base. You know, second base, we lost Justin. So that'll be... You know, definitely an opportunity for DJ Sober to jump in. Um, you know, DJ was a really, really um, intricate part to our pitching staff last year and didn't get a lot of reps from the offensive side with the way Justin was playing at second base. And But definitely a very solid player that's going to help us a lot at second base. Um, we bring back Mason at shortstop. Um, Ty Frazier um, at third base, talked about him a little bit. Um, you know, the one spot we're kind of looking for as being the void that we got to fill is another one was with, with Tanner in the outfield. Um, so that's one that's kind of up for debate yet. Um, Cass Huffman played basically everywhere for us last year when guys pitched, um, in a lot of different positions. So I, I kind of envision him as maybe being one of those guys that could go into the outfield or if he's going to be the utility guy. Um, you know, somebody that I didn't bring up at all that's just that's kind of weird to say that is Will Hush is out in center field for us, who's a phenomenal outfielder defensively and, uh, you know, has had his ups and downs offensively. And, you know, just watching him, you know, seeing the things that he's really capable of doing. I mean, once it starts to come together for him, I think he could be an extremely special player. Um, and then uh, Jack Minster back in right field yet. So, like, like I said, we bring back a lot of guys um, looking at, like, a couple of other people that – um, you know, to step into roles that maybe they weren't in, um, didn't get an opportunity last year. Nathan Shockamel threw, um, you know, one game and was really good on the mound for us. But I think he's also a guy that can help not only on the mound, but in the infield too. When we have, you know, somebody like Cooper playing or pitching, he can move over and play first base possibly and even play some outfield spots if we need it. Um, Jace Rankey's another guy that was on the mound that was really a pleasant surprise last year for us, pitching wise, and you know expect him to be another person on the mound for us that helps a lot, and then um, the possibility too to maybe get some offensive at bats in there, and then Mick Hoffman is another guy, young kid um, last year that basically played as a pinch runner for us all year long, um, but you know we're always looking for that guy that could play some different positions, you know the second base when DJ's pitching, the uh, you know any injury type situation that could happen or in the season, he's a guy that could play a third base, a second base, a shortstop type thing. If we ever had that type of an issue. So we got, we definitely have some pretty good athletes, um, you know, that are, that are there. And there's some younger guys too, that um, if we need to, from the, for some pitching depth that I think are definite possibilities to help out. Coach, your pitching staff is losing one pitcher. You have to replace eight wins and 56 innings, and that's all from Jack Carr, who's at Loris College. You're returning Cooper Hummel, who was 7-1 and one last year, ERA of 2.14. You mentioned DJ Super, who had a record of 2-1, and one, ERA of 2.3, and then Jace Renneke, who had an ERA below 2, who was 2-1 and one on the mound. Right now, opening day, who's going to get the ball opening day? And then how does the rest of the rotation shake out after the opening day starter? I mean, you look at it on paper wise. I mean, I think you probably say Cooper's the one that would get the opportunity to be the opening day type guy. Um, you know, somebody that I didn't mention from the pitching perspective is Cade Roush. Um, you know, Cade's another guy that uh, 
last as a sophomore, he threw a little bit more and was um, really productive for us on the mound. And then last year, um, just with the way that um, Jason DJ stepped up, we didn't need him too much. Um, we used him a little bit as a closer and was, he did a pretty good job, but um, about midway through the year, he started to have a little bit, he had some arm issues and uh, we couldn't throw him on the mound. I didn't, he didn't catch as much maybe for a little stint just to give him some rest. But um, if we can figure out a way to manage his, you know, the way that we use him behind the plate and on the mound, um, he's definitely a guy that's, you know, got some shutdown type stuff that could really propel us and step in and kind of like, you know, I think of it in terms of who do you, how do you replace Jack? Well, I think, you know, Cooper's kind of proven that he's got the ability to maybe be a number one starter for us. And then, you know, that number two role, you know, we were looking at DJ was very, very successful for us last year. Jace had a really good year. And, but the one that sticks out to me is Cade, who was going into last year, I thought was going to be, a, have a bigger role, but with his injury, not injury, just some issues with his arm, I guess I would say, um, didn't really, get a chance to do that and you know he's a guy that i think could really help um eat up some of those innings and then we got some other guys too some a couple of younger guys that um just based on some of the track record that they have they could help out um i think nathan shockamel really steps up and you know takes over some of those you know the lower like the number four or five slot for us so there's guys there we just got to hopefully keep them healthy and get them developed the way that we want them to that was the thing that I struggled with the most when I was a head coach is when you had a catcher that was also a pitcher. Because besides your starting pitcher, your catcher is your most important position because they can shut down the run game. They can do so many things. So when do you throw them? Do you throw them on a, a second game on a Friday to give them the whole weekend of rest? But what if you're playing a cupcake? But what if you need them to throw Monday? So you always have to be a little creative with those catchers when they throw and hope you have a solid backup catcher. And yeah, I was going to mention Cade uh, being a closer last year. He did have three saves and 13 innings of work. Now, Coach, I know that um, Cascade has a rich baseball tradition. I know you have a middle school team with some eighth graders, and I know uh, the freshman team is always tough. I know there's some JV games that are scheduled out there for the Cougars. Are there any guys at the lower levels who we might not see this year, whether they're gridlocked at maybe a first base position where they're just going to be behind that you could see having a bright high school career, but we're not going to see him on the field for the varsity squad this year. Um, yeah, we, I, I think our freshman class is pretty talented with uh, some of the guys that we have down there. And, um, you know, who knows what happens, you know, with hopefully we don't have any injuries, you know, fingers crossed on that part of it. Um, and then, you know, we added a lot more games this year. So we're going to need some innings from some guys that maybe we didn't expect. Um, you know, I mentioned Mick Huffman. He's a guy that is, you know, he just pinch ran for us last year. And whether or not that's just his role this year, again, I'm not quite sure. But, um, you know, he's a guy that might spend a lot more time at the JV level, getting a lot of at-bats and just being ready to, you know, step in in a, a situation, you know, with Mason being a senior, we're looking for a guy, you know, obviously to step in next year to be your shortstop. And he's probably, you know, one of those leading candidates to be that type of player. So he's definitely one that, that could be there. Um a couple other guys, you know, Eli Fritz is a kid that's really, um, he's done some work with uh, Jay Kerman from the pitching perspective, um, but a pretty good athletic outfielder. Uh, Charlie Toll's another guy that, you know, just recently watching him swing and do some of the stuff that he's doing has really been good. Um, Cade's got a younger brother, Kaysen, who 
Um, he's been on the mound in some of our bullpen stuff that we've done so far this off season. And, um, you know, he spins it pretty good with his breaking ball. And, you know, there's some, some guys down there that I think that just need a little bit more time to develop, get a little bit more, you know, stronger, a little bit more mature that way. And, um, you know, those are the ones that really stick out to me, um, right now. I guess Jackson Green's another one, um, from the pitching perspective. You know, he's been really a pretty dominant kid going through. He's an eighth grader right now. So he's been really good. Um, as he's gone through and, you know, obviously you're looking for guys that are going to throw strikes and he's always been somebody that can do that. And but that's what we need from, you know, some of those younger guys like we got last year, you know, when Cooper was an eighth grader um, that just kind of stepped in and ate some innings up when we needed it. Um, you know, I think we're a little bit deeper, so maybe we don't need that help, but I think, you know, between Jackson and Eli as being two pretty solid pitchers as, you know, those are the two that you couldn't see this year on the mound, but I don't know that it may or may not happen. Coach, the one thing I, I love most about having you on the show, and the audience won't know this, but I'm going to mention it, is you always, every year, have something in your hands. He's been doing this interview, and I've seen uh, the Incredible Hulk a couple times that Coach Hummel's playing with. I saw another action figure. I couldn't make that one out, but uh, always very well-spoken and always has great insight analytics on his players and then also has has the best in mind for them as well. Now, Coach, last question before we um, have a word from our sponsor and then we welcome in our next coach is the people of Cascade. I don't know if they know this or not. I don't even know if they care, but I am a huge Detroit Lions fan. Last year, they were featured on NFL Hard Knocks. And on the last episode, the last couple minutes, they uh, ended the season with a question to Coach Dan Campbell the 2022 Detroit Lions will. And the Lions went on this great run toward the end of the year, and they took his speech, how he answered that question, and played all of the big plays throughout that winning streak for the Lions. So same question for you. The 2023 Cascade Cougars will. Surprise, everybody. You elaborate a little more. Who are we surprising? Everybody. I think teams are going to look look at us in a whole different light, but I think we're going to really surprise everybody with, you know, our athleticism, with the guys that we're going to bring that they've never really um, seen on the mound before. We just have a lot of really good players that I think are going to surprise a lot of people this year. I can tell you, looking at who you're returning – and what you're losing, I, that's a great statement to make. I would not be surprised if a return trip to state is in your future. Coach Hummel, best of luck in this 2023 season. I always appreciate that you give me 30 minutes a couple times a year to talk uh, Cascade baseball. Thank you again for doing that. Best of luck to you, your program your players, and the Cascade Cougar community on this upcoming 2023 season. And stick around for a word from our sponsor. Our next sponsor is Tyler Ernson, owner and operator of Genuine Landscape and Design. They continue to be the trusted go-to landscape and lawn care company of the tri-state baseball community. Whether it's regular lawn maintenance, 
a retaining wall, or a complete landscape makeover, they are always glad to help get your property looking pristine. As of last summer, they have become a licensed nursery located at 16109 Root Lane in Holy Cross, Iowa, carrying a wide variety of natives, trees, perennials, and other nursery favorites. Check them out on their website at GenuineLandscapeAndDesign.com or on Facebook. Phone number is 563-581-1052. This year they will also be carrying a handful of field maintenance supplies as well, such as Kentucky bluegrass sod, clay, and field conditioner. As proud sponsors of the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast, anyone who mentions they heard them through this podcast will receive 10% off their next service. Hitting out of the three hole today in the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast 2023 high school season preview is Hempstead High School coach Jeff Rapp and the Hempstead Mustangs are coming off a season where they went 26 and 12 overall 19 and 11 in the conference coach this is a podcast where we just kind of take a look at the past the present and the future I know the Mustang program has been sending guys off to play at the college ranks for quite some time who are some of the guys playing where are they playing at and how are some of them doing yeah, uh, we we have several several guys playing right now. Um, to name a few, we got down at Kirkwood. We got uh, Logan Rundy and Zach Sabers, um, who were with us just a couple of years ago. And, and Logan is the number one down there. Um, he started off really well. He's he's had a good season up to this point. Um, committed to Florida International down in Miami. So um, He's doing good things right now. Zach Sabers um, committed to Campbell University. He's down at Kirkwood right now. Uh, he's coming off a elbow surgery. Uh, he's been doing a lot of rehab, working really hard to get back. Uh, um, he will not be back this spring, but um, you know, looking forward to next couple of years down at at Campbell. Um, George Sherlock uh, um, is down at Southeastern Community College in Burlington. Uh, we got several other guys here: Connor Cravel, Cole Swartz. Um, Cole was an all-stater for us last year. Those guys are over at uh, Clark University. Um, Loris College has a couple recent guys in John Cornelius and Brock Booth. Um, University of Iowa, of course, Callan Strohmeyer was a uh, three-year starter for us, two-time first-team all-stater. Uh, Nolan Schrader's down at Cole College. Jordan Layden, uh, Ellsworth Community College. So we have we have a whole host of uh former Mustangs playing college baseball right now. Coach, we do have a couple uh, audience questions here. We're going to relate it to the pitch clock here. So think, give us a quick answer here. One of them kind of serious, one of them not so much. And these audience questions are brought to you by one of our sponsors, Dugout Sports, travel to Fairfax, Iowa, train where the pros train. First one, White Sox fan, I still call it the cell. I believe it's guaranteed rate park now. I call it Comiskey. I, I sometimes call it that too. What's your go-to ballpark food when you're at, at the ballpark and you're having a nice lemonade or a Diet Coke? What's your go-to ballpark food? Well, I tell you what, that's actually a really hard question because I have been to 
more than 20 major league stadiums and they all kind of have their own niche as far as, as food goes. Um, some of the stuff that I liked the best was actually down in Miami. Um, they had a, a Cuban sandwich that of course was out of this world, um, down in that neck of the woods and, and some seafood things. Um, Colorado had some Rocky Mountain oysters, which, um, actually tried out there. Um, you know what? I, I like pretty much any ballpark food. It just kind of depends on where you go. If I'm in Chicago, it's going to be a Chicago dog. So just kind of the um, depends on what area I'm in at that time. I am always a helmet full of nachos. I am a nacho connoisseur, but getting a, a team, the home team helmet with the nachos just goes a long way. This is a good p- piggyback question here. I, I do know you and your lovely wife, Christy, do want to make it to all of the stadiums before you guys hang it up. You've said you've been to 20 of them. What so far, if you could rank your top three, would you rank? Boy, that's really tough. Um, I'll tell you, the, the one I, I probably personally liked the best was uh, San Francisco. When we were out there, we did all five California stadiums in, in one shot. And um, that's probably my favorite to date, although it was really cold out there, even though it was in August. Um, really like San Diego as well, uh, Petco. Uh, of course, uh, the Settle, Guaranteed Rate Park, Comiskey, whatever you want to call it, is is uh, obviously one of my favorites. But, um, man, lots of good ones out there. I'd say those are probably my those are probably my top three so far. Did you go to that crap hole Ricky Henderson field where the A's play? You know what? I, I did. Um, and it wasn't nearly as bad as I as I expected it to be. It was actually a pretty fun game. And, and uh wasn't what I expected, but of course we had really good seats. Um, first row, second row behind the Dodgers bullpen there, but um, it was a lot nicer than I anticipated. You didn't see any rats that were uh, two feet in size. No, I did in Seattle, but not not down in Oakland. So here are the ones that are constantly ranked in the top three. You mentioned San Francisco. You, I don't know if you've been there, but Pittsburgh Pirates Stadium is always ranked in the top three. Have you been there? I haven't. That's that's one that we gotta. That's one we have to still hit. And then also Camden Yards in Baltimore is always rated in the top five as well. For all the listeners and coach, I know you're not the breadwinner in your family, and I know you make good money in the Dubuque Community School District because we know teachers are paid really well. One thing I want you to do, best experience I've ever had in a baseball game, is if you go to a game at Fenway Park, you have to sit on top of the green monster best baseball experience i've ever had best viewing experience i had a little tidbit there if you sit during batting practice in your green monster seats there is a home run ball that comes your way every 18 seconds now serious audience question here Hempstead has always kind of just had the mentality of you know seniors get the first shot and we're going to let the seniors play and we're going to let it fold out. And, you know, we might keep the younger guys who might be ready, but we're not sure at their level. And and we'll see on moving guys up. It's going to happen to you this year where Solon Munson is going to leave to play in the Appalachian League. And we're seeing kids across the state who are not playing high school baseball because it's a summer sport or do not play their senior year, which we've seen 
all across the state. Does that change your mindset moving forward? If you have a really good baseball player, maybe moving them up to the varsity ranks a little sooner because you might not get them for that senior year. Yeah, I mean, you know, you, you did say, you did mention my philosophy there with, with seniors. I always like to give seniors the first shot and, uh, you know, afford them the opportunity to lose a position rather than win it. I think, you know, some of those kids have been in our program for five years and they, they deserve that opportunity to fail. So uh, that being said, I, I don't, you know, I'm not going to change my mindset on that. I mean, if, if there's somebody that's that's clearly better um than a senior, you know, that's maybe a freshman, maybe a sophomore, and um, it's it's clear clear cut. Then you know we're going to give that person an opportunity too. We, we've certainly done that over the years with with several guys. Um, you know, Logan Rundy, Zach Sabers, um, Kellen Strohmeyer, guys like that that have been really good players for us. You know, everybody sees that right away, so we don't hesitate to bring those guys up. But I certainly like to give the the seniors an opportunity as best we can. So, Coach, let's take a look. We've had some fun. We've talked about the past. Let's talk about the future of the Hempstead Mustangs. I mentioned previously coming off a 26-12 and 12 season overall, 19-11 and 11 in the conference. The Mustangs are losing nine seniors to graduation and one in Solon Munson to a collegiate league, the Appalachian League. Best of luck to him, and hopefully him and Kellen Strohmeyer, former teammate who's also playing on that league, can be on the same team together. But do we have any all-state, all-district, all-conference players returning to the Mustangs? If we do, give us a little scouting report on them. Give us a little bio that just puts them at that level to get such a great recognition. Well, Johnny Mearing for us last year was was a first-team all-conference player, uh, third-team all-state. Very, very deserving of, of uh, first-team All-State. I think he, he kind of got robbed of that. Um, but being a junior and being a shortstop, that's, that's really tough. But I think he had as good a year as anybody. And, I, you know, I, I don't know his stats off the top of my head. But he had – he I'm sure you do. But um, he, uh, he had a, just a tremendous year. He started off a little bit slow, but then just got hotter and hotter and hotter as the year went on. And um, – actually started at shortstop for us. You know, Kellen had been there for two years for us. And, um, you know, Kellen was probably projected in the outfield at the University of Iowa, and, and Johnny was a really good shortstop. So we made that move, and he really responded, and he, he had a great year on the mound for us as well. So um, he, he's, you know, he's our horse returning. Um, and, you know, like I said, he, he was probably deserving of a, a first-team nod last year. Um but didn't receive it. About Johnny here, he was the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast co-MVP with Isaac Thane from the Western Dubuque Bobcats. And Johnny last year hit 445 on base percentage of 534, had five home runs, 39 RBIs, 11 doubles. On the mound, Johnny was 5-3 and three overall with an ERA of 3 and a whip of 1.61. He struck out 36 hitters, only walking 16, and opponents hit 267 off him. Any other returning starters or any other conference, all conference or all district selections returning? Well, I tell you, one of our one of our best overall players returning is, is Justin Potts in center field, and uh, he started all year for us as a sophomore. Um, 
really, really good athlete, four sport athlete. Um, so he'll he'll command the outfield and center this year, and and look for him hopefully to lead off for us. We'll see how things kind of shake out, but um, you know he he was an honorable mention all, all conference player last year, and and uh, looking for him to do big things as well this year. Coach, walk us around the horn. Who are some of the guys on the infield that are either returning starters, or who are some of those guys battling for? starting positions on the infield and then take us around the outfield as well. Yeah. So several people, and you know, there's going to be some good position battles and, and really um, we have a lot of pitchers this year. A lot of guys I feel confident throwing out on the mound. So positions are really going to um, be predicated by who's pitching that day. But uh, so first base, you know, we, we have Tyler Loso, Jack Rowling, Carter Krug, um, who are going to battle for positions. All three of those guys pitch. Um, so a lot is going to be dependent upon that. Middle infielders, we have Cade Reisner, Gage Bishop, Caleb Moddett, uh, Johnny Mearing, Joey Hameniak. Um, you know, second, short, combination of those things. Uh, over at third, uh, Brody Kramer, uh, Kurt Saunders is a possibility for us there. Grant, Grant Galley is a junior uh, that had a nice year last year as a sophomore. And then uh, behind the plate, we have uh, Kurt Saunders, really, really solid catcher. You know, last year he was behind two really good catchers in, in George Sherlock and Solon Munson, so he didn't get much of an opportunity there. But um, he's certainly going to catch a lot of innings for us this year, along with uh, junior James Wood. Um, in the outfield, like I mentioned, Justin Potts um, is pretty much solidified. Um, in, in center field, we got Brody Ruffridge, Jace Rennie, um, Andrew Tharp, and Devin Cook um, battling for spots out there, as well as a couple other people. So we, we have um, a lot of people to pick from. There's going to be a lot of mixing and matching depending on pitching. And you know, it's going to be our job those first few weeks to figure out um, who's going to go where. Coach, let's talk about the pitching staff here. The Mustangs are losing eight pitchers needing to replace 16 wins and 142 innings. It's late March, early April. You have to give the opening day game ball to somebody. Who's the opening day starter right now in your mind? And if you had to maybe project the rotation and what it's going to look like, conference starters to non-conference starters, long relievers to closers possibly, what's that going to look like? Well, you really put me on the spot because I don't know who that opening day guy is going to be or who that Friday that guy is going to be. But um, going on um, what he's done in the past, certainly Johnny Mearing would probably get the nod right now. Um, you know, we have a lot of guys – vying for a spot in that rotation, which is probably a six-man rotation with the number of games that we play in a week. But, um, you know, some of those guys would be, besides Johnny, would be Jace Rundy, um, Andrew Tharp, Gage Bishop, Grant Galley, Justin Potts, um, possibly Kurt Saunders, and maybe even a couple other people, um, Carter Krug, Devin Cook. You know, it, it's just going to kind of depend. Um, a lot has to play out yet um, going into May. It's still early. I love it how you responded to that question as if I, if I caught you off guard. You and I have done this same interview three years in a row. I give you the questions ahead of time. Did I catch you off guard? Because 
it's so early in the spring before this comes out or because you didn't look at what I sent you in the email? No, I, I certainly looked at it. I mean, it's a it's a hard decision. We've got a lot of guys looking really good right now. So, I mean, there's there's a lot of variables that go into play. So you, you throw Johnny Mearing, um, you take him out of shortstop, you know, and, and that, that changes some things for you. So, um, and, and we do have a lot of quality arms, you know, we have, we have a lot of guys that I would say are three and four inning guys. Um, so there's going to be a lot of games I would anticipate that we're going to, you know, throw three or four guys in the same game, um, to get us through. But, you know, I feel confident in each one of those guys. We just don't have, um, probably that guy, you know, that's going to go out there and pitch seven innings every time, like, uh, you know, going back a long way, like Andrew Redmond, you throw him out there and you pretty much chalk that up as a win before you even play. You know, we don't have that kind of guy, but we have a lot of quality arms. I can tell you, you do have a lot of quality arms. You do have a lot of strike throwers, too. I know I was an official last year. I got added late, and it seems like I was always doing every day a freshman Hempstead game or a sophomore Hempstead game, and, and there were a lot of good arms. And, and I will say what I did like about the Mustang pitchers is all of them attacked the zone and threw strikes. It wasn't a walk fest at those at those lower-level games. You mentioned Gage Bishop. I want to talk to you a little bit about him. He's got a little bit of an interesting story here. I believe he's entering his junior year. Am I right on that? You're correct. He's a junior. Okay. And he has not played high school until this year. He was on, I want to say, the Tampa Rays scout team. I could be wrong on that. But I was doing a semi-pro game. And it was the Dubuque Buds against Dyersville. And it was a game where they didn't have an umpire. And they said, hey, Nick, can you be out here in 30 minutes? Well, it was either I do it and they play or they cancel the game or go with one umpire. And it was the Hempstead sophomore team that was out there for the Buds. And there was this kid throwing. And he was hitting a legit mid-80s. Not the BS that some coaches will tell you. They're uh, they're pitchers are hitting mid 80s and then you see and you're like they're lucky if they're hitting 78 but he was a legit mid 80s throwing a lot of strikes moved to shortstop and I said to the first baseman who is this kid and and they told me it was Gage and and they kind of uh shared his story with me but I liked his demeanor on the mound and I think he might be a dark horse for the Mustangs that the Dubuque area knows about but not the rest of the state knows about have you seen anything of him early on or what do you know about Gage? You know, I, I don't, I don't honestly know a lot about him. Obviously he's been to our workouts. I, I've only seen him pretty much hitting the cage. Um, you know, I've seen him, you know, take some in and out and, and, uh, you know, throw at pitchers catches for us. And he, he obviously has a very good arm. He has really good stuff. Um, you know, he, he's certainly a guy that, you know, maybe down the road, maybe at the substate game, he might he might be the guy that's that's throwing. You know, I, I don't know. A lot has to shake out between now and then. But yeah, I don't I don't know that he's necessarily even a dark horse. I mean, he's gonna he's gonna fit in the mix. Um, he is a very solid baseball player. He offers us a lot of things. So, um, you know, I anticipate he's gonna play some middle infield. He's gonna be in the starting rotation, and he's he's gonna be a big part of what we do. Coach, this was an audience question that came in. I didn't put it in that section because I always ask this question, but Hempstead's got a lot of kids in the program. 
you shared your mindset, your philosophy earlier that a lot of times seniors will get the first crack to either have a great senior season after five years in the program or um, not make the most of their opportunity and have somebody replace them. Looking at your lower levels, who are some of the players that might not crack the varsity roster this year, but you see them having a bright career for the Mustangs once they're at the varsity level. Man, that's that's a long list, I tell you, because I, I truly am impressed with our with our lower levels, our, our freshman or sophomore team. I look for our sophomore team to be really, really good this year. There there's there's a whole, whole bunch of kids on that team that I think could play varsity may not get an opportunity, like you said, this year, but could certainly step in at any time and help us out. And I'm just going to list some of those guys off. And there's, you know, I'm probably going to miss a few, but at, at that sophomore level, uh, certainly Reed Strohmeyer, um, very good baseball player. You know, he could step right in tomorrow and, and not miss a beat. You wouldn't know that he's a sophomore. Um, Xander Wiskus is another kid, just has worked his tail off the entire year. Um, very good catcher, very good hitter. Um Great kid. Jace Canfield um, had a real nice year at the freshman level. Probably could have played with the sophomores um, if they were where they were last year. Uh, Cole Shield is a freshman. Uh, he's going to play at the sophomore level this year. Um, Will Stefan is also a freshman that's that's going to play up and, and probably do a lot of pitching for them. Caleb Paulson is another catcher that's going to play up and, and catch with the sophomores. And Dylan Deuster, big, strong kid. Uh, good pitcher, good hitter, corner infielder. Um, you know, there. I, I look for those guys to do great things, and there's certainly a host of others that you know um, can't certainly list everybody. But you know, those guys right now, I, I see as you know, kind of up and comers. Do want to share a couple stories I mentioned earlier that I did have a lot of your teams here. Caleb Paulson, man, you can't ask for a more, more personable kid behind the plate. Great arm, good solid hitter, and he sits low and he frames that baseball really nice. The crazy thing is when he blocks the ball, very little movement, very little sound. He's a great job at at receiving his pitchers. Really, really super nice kid, too. You mentioned Cole Shield. I did a freshman game where Cole Shield went nine for nine, and every single hit he had was an extra base hit at Wallert, whether it was a double or a triple. And then you mentioned Will Steffen. Funny story about Will Steffen. I went the whole year, did not get a bruise, did not even get a nick. I got called last minute, hey, Nick, it's the end of the year independent league tournament. We need an up. Can you get down here? So Brody Schumacher from Waller is catching. He sets up on the outside corner. Called for a curveball. Independent league, these kids throw average to above average at a high school field, 60 feet, 6 inches. You put them at 55 feet, and these kids are throwing gas. Catcher sets up on the outside corner, 1-2, whatever it was, looking for a curveball. Will throws a fastball in drills me right in the the cat or right in the thigh area instant brew and that thing lasted for four weeks but yeah just just some funny stories to uh to talk about those guys here coach before I get into my last question before we uh 
bring in another sponsor and then bring in another coach. Is there anything that you want to talk about that I failed to ask you or we failed to mention going on in the Mustang program? Um, you know, I, I don't know if there's anything further um, other than, you know, I, I, I do think, you know, you, you mentioned that we lost um, a whole bunch of seniors and, you know, that's, that's always tough to do and it's always tough to replace, but I am very excited about this season. I think we have a lot of great kids. I think we have a lot of very good baseball players. I'm excited about it. I think it's going to be fun. I think we're going to be very, very competitive. Um, so, you know, I, I'm hoping that uh, some teams look past us and think we graduated all these guys, and we certainly did graduate some very good players. But, you know, we get we got some guys that are going to step up and, and do good things for us this year. Coach, last question here, and uh, you know this. But uh, I am a huge, huge Detroit Lions fan, and they were featured last season on Hard Knocks. And they ended the season where they asked Dan Campbell this simple question, a fill-in-the-blank one. The 2022 Detroit Lions will. And then they left it up for him just to do a monologue on how he pictured the season would be. Well, we know the Lions struggled. And then they won eight of their last 10 were in the playoff picture. And they made a video of all the great Lions plays throughout the year. And then they put his voice of that speech in there. And it's almost an eerie feeling watching that video and hearing what he said about his guys so far ahead of time. And it all, it all kind of came true. It all came into fruition. So same question for you, except it's not going to be about the Detroit Lions. It's going to be about the 2023 Mustangs. The 2023 Hempstead Mustangs will. I'm going to make this short and sweet. The 2023 Mustangs are going to win more games than we did last year. And we're going to compete for our conference title. I'm going to hold you to that. 27 wins is what the Mustangs are shooting for. Best of luck to Coach Rapp and the rest of the Hempstead Mustang program in this 2023 season. Stick around. We got a sponsorship ad coming here. And then we're going to welcome in our next coach. Dugout Sports in Fairfax, Iowa is a proud sponsor of the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. Train where the pros in Iowa train at Dugout Sports. They have top-notch instructors, offer amazing camps led by owner and operator Jay Wannell. Find them on Facebook or with a simple Google search, Dugout Sports in Fairfax, Iowa, to get all your information. Hitting out of the four hole in the 2023 high school season preview is the new look Dubuque Senior Rams with head coach, Coach Tyler Sogling, joining the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. Coach, welcome. We're going to start off with some audience questions before we dive into the 2023 season. And these audience questions come from our great sponsor, Tyler Ernson from Genuine Landscape and Design. I plugged this interview using an old college picture of you when you were rocking a crazy, crazy mustache. And the Ultimate Sports Weekend and Cole Bogey, they were wondering, what was the motivation behind that killer mustache? Well, thanks for having me first, Nick. Again, it's always fun to, to be on here. But uh, the motivation, I guess, um, you know, I went to school in Bemidji, 
and it's cold up there and you always got to figure out some things to keep it kind of fun and light while you're up inside for most of the year. And so one of the things we always did was make a fun kind of mug shot. So I'm not the only one on that, that site that has a, a, a nice black caterpillar uh, on their lips. Um, but I guess I was kind of going for the Randy Johnson look. If you look at a couple of years prior, I even had the long hair to go along with it. So Randy is my guy and I was just trying to embody him a little bit, I suppose. A couple other audience questions came in here. This person chose to stay anonymous. You seem very passionate about the Ram baseball program. Where does that passion come from? And is that your number one driving force for the Ram program to succeed? If it's not your number one, what is? It's a good question. Um, I am definitely very passionate about senior baseball and I have been for a long time. I'm a, I'm a senior guy at heart and you know, I spent 10 years of my life there, uh, four years playing and six years coaching at pretty much every level. And um, I have just always wanted to give more uh, back to it. And so I guess my driving force, there's more than, than one. It's sharing my love with this generation of players. And it's a great sport to set you up for the future. And I also want to give back to the school that helped mold me into the the person I am today. I had a great experience when I was a student there and I met a lot of great people and a lot of teachers that are still there. I, I, I love to death. And I was also passed on this job six years ago and I want to take advantage of the opportunity and show I'm the right guy right now. This audience question came in in the bottom of the ninth last second submission from Beckman player Luke Sigworth. And I know you played with him, and I know you played for his dad, semi-pro out in Balltown. Luke wants to know, what is your coaching philosophy? Well, it's always good to hear from, from Siggy, um, and obviously Joey is just a, a really good friend of mine. Um, well, there's, there's a few things. My, my biggest thing is you, you probably see on, on Twitter heard me talk before it's our attitude and effort and body language those are three premiums that we'll be evaluating even at tryouts and I've I've told my players this you know we we have the the skill things that we're evaluating but those three core values if we just say them it's not going to stick and it's not going to have meaning so we will evaluate all of our players on that on a regular basis I even ask them to scale what their attitude effort body language was on on any given day the other thing is just um, just establishing a team environment. You know, there's nine guys, 10 guys on the field at a time, and we have more guys than that thing that can contribute. I see you looking at me weird. It's 10 guys if you include the DH, Nick. Okay. Yeah. I was going to follow up with that, but I was wondering where you were getting 10. I didn't know if this was C-League baseball where we're playing four outfielders now. Yeah, No, it's just the team environment and establishing that we can we can do things together even if we're not on the field. Um, there's more that's the freedom to my staff to coach. It's giving freedom to our players to, to play. I'm not a authoritarian type of person. And, and so I want these guys to, to feel like they're contributing in any way without me having to tell them what's the correct way or the right way when I want them to be athletic and I want them to develop feel for the game. And the last thing is just giving my players everything that has either worked for me or that I wish that I had when I was growing up to, to become better. And I just 
feel like I have some some knowledge that I can pass on to the next generation, and I want to see what they can do with it, probably more than than what I can. So. One thing that I I want to talk to you about, and I don't know if the audience knows this, but I've seen some behind the scenes things going on, and I think of when I was growing up, I played at Hempstead, and we hated Wallard, and we hated Senior, and then when I coached at Wallert, we hated those schools and the teams that had a hatred for each other. And now you see all those kids play travel together, play multiple sports together, and there's there's kind of a camaraderie amongst the Dubuque community. And a funny side story is when I was the head sophomore coach at Hempstead and the Ultimate Sports Weekend sponsor, Cole Bogey, was the head sophomore coach at Wallert. And you were the head sophomore coach at senior. We actually had a band. Coach Soy played guitar. <laughs> coach Bogey played guitar. And everybody's favorite coach, Coach Manaman, was on lead vocals. And our name was Rivals. And we would play shows, and we were the rivals, and people were wondering, what where that name come from? And we shared that story that we were great friends, but we coached at rival high schools. Our band never made it because Nick's voice just didn't uh, didn't make the cut. Yeah, well, you weren't supposed to say that. We had one show, <laughs> and it was a sold-out show, but it was also a show where people had to be there because it was my work party, and people had to go to that. But <laughs> nonetheless, the thing that I like that I've seen is, and I want you to talk about this, the relationship between you and Coach Tish from Wallert and you and Coach Rapp from Hempstead. You shared with me that the three coaches are really wanting to work together to put Dubuque baseball on the map, not just the Wallert Golden Eagles on the map, not just the Senior Rams on the map, not just the Hempstead Mustangs on the map, but the Dubuque schools, the Dubuque baseball community on the map. What have those conversations meant to you? What have those connections meant to you? What are some things that you and the coaches have worked on? And what are some things you've talked about working on in the future together? Yeah, so both uh, Corey and, and Jeff, they've just been super kind and super great to me. Uh, even, since I even moved back, I wouldn't even say since I got the job, just since I moved back, they've been people who I've, I've talked to. Um, and, you know, just speaking on, I'll, I'll start with, with, with Corey, but, you know, not a whole lot of people know, but him and I met before my interview at senior and we were just going to just kind of talk baseball. I think we were planning to like meet for a half hour or so. And that conversation ended up being, I think somewhere around an hour and a half or two hours. And we just really enjoyed talking baseball together and we saw things, you know, the same way. And, um, we had some some awesome uh, bread pudding. Uh, it was down at like the co-op down on Jackson Street. Okay. You know, I'm talking about, Corey recommended us. We had some coffee and some awesome bread pudding and just had a good conversation. And then um, obviously got the job at senior. And then with Jeff, you know, I, I teach at Hempstead and, and same type of thing. Like Jeff and I had talked too about, you know, what the possibility was for me, you know, at Hempstead as well. And um, you know, I did, I get the same senior job, so that kind of, that obviously left, but, 
Um, I see Jeff all the time at school. Um, I see Don Perkle all the time at school. I work with him. And so those guys have been really, really good to me. And I've been to Jeff's house already once this year. He was trying to help me with some like vendor stuff and um, things like that. And I, I saw Christy and she's just an awesome person as well. He showed, showed me his house and they've just been really, really good, good people to me. And, you know, Jeff, especially him and I, like we're on the same team for 363 days of the year. You know, um, we both teach in the district, we both coach in the district. So anything that he gets, you know, I get and anything that I get, he gets. And so just kind of with Jeff, just talking more about, you know, what, what can we do? What do we need? How can we, we work together and maybe find some, some common ground for maybe some facilities to get um, put, put up or um, just anything in between field maintenance and anything like that, where we can kind of work together to, to keep moving things forward. One of my favorite stories is um, I think you may have met Coach Rapp uh, through me and I was in Arizona for spring training and him and his wife were in Arizona for spring training and we met up and the six of us, our significant others, all met up and I think we were talking baseball for like four hours yeah, <laughs> and I think we would still be there talking baseball if our wives and girlfriends <laughs> and fiancés wouldn't have been annoyed that all we were talking about is baseball, but Coach Rat made me feel like an awful friend for the longest time because you and I have been friends much longer than you and Coach Rap have been. And he actually went to a couple of your baseball games in Arizona, and I didn't go to any of your baseball games <laughs> in Arizona for many years um, after that. But yeah, great, great friendships. And that's the thing that I've loved about this podcast is when I left coaching, I was afraid that I was I would lose those relationships and those friendships with uh, Coach Tisher from Wallard and Coach Coach Rapp from Hempstead and Coach Bryant from Western Dubuque and I think our connections and relationships have have gone um, even further than what I had expected and and I'm really happy with uh, where Dubuque baseball is at right now. Yeah, and if I can just interject too, you know, um, I just think that we all see that Dubuque has something to show for baseball talent wise. I mean, Dubuque is a baseball town. It's right next to the field of dreams and there's a lot of good players coming out here. I mean, we got two guys that are in the minors right now from the past couple of years. And I think we just all want to exploit that, you know, and, um, even, even Corey and I, I forgot to mention this, but like Corey and I were working on something that we're going to do during the season and together, and it's going to be, um, something pretty special and, and unique to both of our programs. Let's talk about the senior Rams. I'm going to be the bearer of some bad news and people don't hit me up complaining about this. This is just, these are just facts. I do do my research here for the Dubuque area baseball podcast. The Rams have not had a winning season since the 2016, 2017 season and have not had a season where they were 10 games above 500 since the 2014, 2015 baseball season. What will the Rams have to do better as a varsity team this year and as a program moving forward to have an above season mentioned where they're above 500, 10 games above 500, maybe pulling a conference championship and trips to the state tournament become a norm for this program? So our, our one word challenge this year is, is together. If you, anybody reads John Gordon out there, he always challenges his team or the people who read his books that believe in his philosophy to, to pick one word and ours is together. 
And number one thing is us becoming a team, starters to bench players, varsity to sophomore to freshman to eighth graders. I mean, everybody is a part of this program. It's not just the team. I'm not, yes, I'm the head varsity coach. And I've, I've said this before and I've said it to my players, you know, I'm the head varsity coach, but I'm in charge of the entire program. And we're not just going to focus on one team. Like we're going to focus on developing each level and making sure that our kids are ready to go when they get to varsity so we can you know, add add more in and do more things, more baseball, high IQ type of things. But the first thing is just becoming a team, um, playing for one in, one another, learning about each other, grinding through the season together. You know, when you go through a season, there's a lot of peaks and valleys that, that come with that season. And you have to learn how to work with each other because different guys respond differently um, based on what you say and, and how you approach things. And as coaches, we tend to try to figure it out sooner rather than like the players figuring it out for themselves and learning how to communicate with each other. So that's the biggest thing is them learning to that they are in charge of their team. We can, as coaches, only take them as far as they want to go. Um, it's just the fact of, of anything. I could know as, I could be the most knowledgeable person about baseball, which I'm not. I know more people that have forgotten more about baseball than, than I know. But they just, they have to be able to, to figure each other out too. Um, and then the other thing, like the biggest thing is just boosting our baseball IQ, doing the little things right. I've told our players this too. We have Kennedy on our first game of the year and we all know that they are a good team and we have a tough schedule right off the bat. We play West Dubuque right after it, reigning state champions. We play Pleasant Valley. After that, we have Wallert. We have all these good teams right off the bat at the start of our season. And so, you know, are we going to out outpower all these teams maybe maybe not but what we can control is the way that we communicate uh the way that we have pre-play planning so we aren't we're expecting anything to happen before it actually does so we're prepared for that uh, being in the right spots at the right times not taking plays off even if you're an outfielder you still have a place to be on a ground ball you know little things like that executing situationally that could be defensively or offensively or base running or, or pitching um, and also just playing with some freedom of failure. Our guys, and I've, I've told them, like, I want them to play free. And uh, there are going to be times where maybe fans and parents and other coaches are going to look at us like, what the heck are these guys doing? Sure, it's going to happen. And I'm okay with that. Um, I can take criticism and, and everything. I spend a lot of time with these guys. I mean, we've already been going six days a week for a long time. And we're going to have our lumps. But the only way that these guys are going to become the players that I see them being is by failure and they have to fail to, to see what they can and they cannot do. And so I don't want to take that away from them. Talk about a learning experience day one, getting to coach against hall of fame coach, Brett Hoyer from Cedar Rapids Kennedy and talk about a team that will do all of the little things, right? This is a whole new year for the Rams, a whole new look, new unis, new hats, and mostly a whole new coaching staff. We chatted a couple nights ago. 11 coaches are currently on the Rams staff. Tell me a little bit about the staff and what each coach brings. And why are so many coaches wanting to join a staff after so many down years? You know, I first thing is I have to say, like, I'm extremely just thankful that all these guys want to be a part of this because I've, I've told these guys from day one 
that I cannot do this all by myself. If we really want to change this program and, and really get it on track and, and do their things right, I, I, I need I need guys around me that can do it. And I've also mentioned before, like I'm not an authoritarian. I want these guys to to coach and, and to 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 expand their knowledge and show these guys what they know too. So um my first coach is is Mike Blake. He's a returner. Um, he was uh, the varsity assistant uh, last year. He's been, I think, at senior for about six years. Uh, Feldy's coming back, so he's going to be our head sophomore coach. Um, obviously, he just has a lot of great knowledge. He's a great player, just a great person um, that knows how to manage very, very well and has experience. Um, Brady Sheasel will be coming back. He's our, our one of our head freshman coaches. Um, right now, he's down in college and, and playing in college and doing his thing but we'll be um, really excited to get him back uh, when he gets here. He seems like he's fired up and, and ready to go. Uh, Brian O'Donnell, um, he's a teacher at Senior that we got on board. He's going to be our other head freshman coach. Um, Brian's just a great guy, and um, he played college basketball at Loris, and um, he's a really good teacher, just a, a great human being to, to be around. And um, I'm going to throw this out there for him, but when I interviewed him, uh, he said that they had a saying, and it was called, We Dare. And so uh, we're happy to, to have a... Uh, coach Brian O'Donnell on, on the board. And then our assistants, we got Ross James coming back. He used to coach at senior for a while. Um, he's going to be in charge of most of our hitting um, stuff at varsity and then help out at lower levels when he has the opportunity to. Tom Sullivan's coming back. He's been around for four years. He's got a couple boys in the program. Um, great, great guy. Um, awesome knowledge. He shows up when he can. Uh, he's going to be kind of a floater. Just when he can be around, he'll just jump in with whatever team he can jump in with. Uh, Nathan Swift, he's a former senior grad baseball player. Uh, he's been joining us. He'll he'll be kind of one of those floating guys, too, with his job. You know, these guys have other jobs, and they're choosing to spend their free time with us. And so, um, you know, however we can make it work to get these guys around, that's what we want. And Nathan's been great. He's actually run a couple of yoga sessions with our guys at the beginning of practice. He's really into that stuff, and so I want to cut him loose and do that. Then we got a couple other guys, Anthony Adams, who's a teacher at Roosevelt. He also coaches football at senior. Um, great guy. He just dove in right away. It's after we met and got a coffee, he was there like the next day and he's just been in on everything and he's just been a great person to have around. And again, just super thankful to have him around. Um, and then we got two other guys, two college guys that are, are currently playing. We got uh, Gavin Guns, who's a senior grad. He's down at Coe College right now doing his thing. And and uh, Mike Garantano, who is a, a player at Clark as well, and he's doing his thing. But we're excited to get those guys around uh, when their seasons are over. And, you know, Gavin's just a great dude. Gavin, he does more than just play baseball. He's in band, and he, he does all these things at Co. more than just baseball. He's just a multi-talented um, person. And Mike is just seems like a grinder man, and we just uh, we're happy to have him. And I can't wait to see what he can do um, with these these guys at the lower levels. All right, let's take a look here at the 2023 Senior Rams. Senior is coming off a 7-29 and season, and they were 6-24 and in the conference. Lost a lot, graduating 10 seniors, and also losing one player due to a transfer. I'm curious, have you talked to your assistant coach, Coach Michael Blake, about any all-conference selections from last year or any returning starters from last year? Or are you wanting to go into this blind and allow the kids to make their first impression with you? 
Yeah, I mean, we've, of course, I mean, we talk all the time as a coaching staff. So, of course, we've talked about guys um, from last year and the things, you know, that the projections and, and all that stuff, um, you know, it's just, it's hard to avoid those things. And I'm curious about them. Um, but I've made it very clear to our staff and I hope that I've made it even more clear to our players that this is a brand new year and jobs from last year, you know, no one has a job right now and everyone's working and trying to earn those jobs. And it's just the ones that are going to get them are the ones that fill in, fit into our philosophy and, and what we're trying to do. Um, you know, it's, it's just, it's important for us to give every, all these kids a blank slate and move forward and let's see what they can do under this new kind of regime. I want to ask you about two players from the Rams who had some success last year and earned the distinct honor of being named to Coach Manaman's preseason all-debute team, that prestigious preseason team. What can you tell me about John Willie as a ball player, and what are you hoping he can provide the senior Rams? Well, the thing about John is you know you can swing it. Um, I played with him a little bit over the summer uh, with Balltown, and he impressed me with just with his stick. I mean, he doesn't look like this big dude with some power, but he's got some Apo Taco power, and um, he's just good ball player from from what I've seen. Um, out of John, I'm just hoping for some good senior leadership. Um, you know, I I, I want to see him be the guy that um, I've heard all about. You know, I've heard a lot about John, and a lot of people love him and have a lot of respect for him as a person and a human being. I know our players have a great respect for him, and um, I just want to see him be himself. You know, I want to see the the John Willie that that loves the game and wants to be around, and and you know, just shows these guys what what's expected and 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 how how to keep moving forward and to grind through the tough things. The the uh, ride the highs, ride the lows, and, and just, just be himself. That's what I want to see John do. John will be entering his senior year. Last year, he had two wins on the mound. As a hitter, he hit 375, and he had 19 RBIs. He had 15 doubles and two triples, was an extra base hitting machine. I also want to talk to you about another young man by the name of Caden Klein. Caden Klein was the only Rams pitcher last year who had a winning record on the mound for the varsity staff at 2-1 and one, and the only pitcher on staff to have an ERA below 3 at 2.57. What has Caden shown you this offseason? What stuff does he bring to the table? And you being a pitching guy... What are you and him working on for him to get better and get tuned up for the regular season? Yeah, Caden, first of all, has been a guy that has shown an awesome attitude, effort, and body language. Um, for those who don't know, he's been hurt pretty much all offseason. He broke his wrist, and so it's kind of been a slow recovery process for him. But he's been throwing the last couple weeks, and I haven't even gotten him on the mound yet. Um, he's still trying to get through the three-week um, preparation before he can get on the mound with our arm care. And so hopefully we'll be getting him on the bump soon. But, um, you know, he's a guy who he's, even though he's been hurt this whole time, he's shown up to almost everything. He's been at the field for practices. He's been um, at pitcher catchers indoors, just trying to help out and kind of be a leader to younger guys, helping with different arm care things that he's learned uh, from, from our program. 
Um, he was even in the weight room. He was trying to do single hand push ups and pull ups and stuff. Like he's just, he wants to be here and, and he's shown that. And I can't wait to, to get him on the bump and, and learn some more about him as a pitcher. That's that's great to hear because I'm sure there are kids that you're expecting to be there that haven't made the effort to show up yet. So it's great that there's someone there that's been battling through injuries and um, is there getting better, doing his best to impress you, but also be a leader to those younger guys and his teammates as well. Did he break his pitching wrist or his non-pitching wrist? Yeah, it was his throwing, his throwing yeah, wrist. It was, it was a little, uh, little kind of goofballing accident with his buddies so I think we learned a lesson there let's talk about your pitching staff the senior Rams are going to have to replace seven pitchers two wins and 124 innings give or take a few on there you have a new tool in Rapsodo that has been present at the Rams off-season workouts what is the data telling you that is positive moving forward into the 2023 season? Yeah, I mean, with the Rapsodo, we haven't had it out in, in a couple of weeks since we've been outside. I need to get it, get back on it. Um, being outside just a little different um, than being indoors. So we'll get that going again. But I think we've just seen that we have some stuff like we have some things here at senior from varsity down to you know, freshmen. And what it's just shown us is maybe some things to refine, maybe get our pitchers a little more deceptive, show a little more command in the zone, and uh, hopefully get some some bumps in velo here as we continue our, our throwing process. And, um, you know, the thing about Rap Soto is it's, it's only one part of the game. You know, the biggest thing for our pitchers that, for me, that separates a, a pitcher from a thrower is the ability to control the run game, control the tempo of the game, um, and, and keep their head high and, and work hard in, in high stress situations. You know, that's what's going to be really telling about our pitching staff versus what um, a rap soto can do. I mean, it tells you everything. It probably gives you more than you probably need sometimes. But, um, you know, that's going to be the true test for our pitchers is what can we do in, in a live setting. Everyone so far has caught my eye uh, in one way or another, and, and bullpens are one thing, but we won't really know much until we start to get live and start to see what these guys can do in a, in a real setting. One thing that has always impressed me about you and, and your pitching staffs. Uh, I remember watching three games last year in Arizona when I was there for spring training and the major league players were locked out the first half of my trip and the second half of my trip, we were seeing games like crazy, but just the ability of your pitchers to, to throw inside and how often your pitchers threw inside and really made those hitters feel uncomfortable. Now, I, I pulled this before, and, and I wanted to, to get your opinion on this and see if the Rams have, have any of these guys in the program, but there's a popular guy on Twitter, and I, I can't remember his name. I want to say it might be Lance McClusters or Lane McClusters. I can't remember, but he was going through the most important positions on a high school roster, and he listed 24. And the first one was starting pitcher. Second one was starting pitcher. Third one was the catcher. The fourth one was a starting pitcher. The fifth one was a starting pitcher. <laughs> the sixth one was a shortstop. The next one was a background catch, a backup catcher. So we all know that pitching wins championships. Looking at it as a whole, do, do the Rams have – those horses in there that 
they're going to hit you with a strong pitcher every single time somebody comes to Dubuque to play the Rams or the bus shows up and the senior Rams get off it. That's the plan. I mean, you know, we're my philosophy in pitching and if anybody knows me that's listening, like I'm not a guy who likes to kind of mess around on the mound and, and stuff. I just, I want us to attack guys and to get after it and fill up the zone and not be afraid to throw our best against the other hitters best. I've, I've talked to my coaches about this too. It's I've spent some time before spending probably too much time on scouting and figuring out what the other team can do and what swings they have and who's their power guy and who's their fast guy and, and all that stuff. And to be frank with you, the more I've done it, the less I've liked it just because we got to pitch to our strengths and we got to do what we do. Um, there's baseball's baseball. We're going to get knocked around every once in a while. You know, things are going to happen that aren't going to go our way. It's, it's just the way the game is. And so it's, again, can we just go out there, have the mental toughness, work through jams, work through things that don't go our way that are going to separate us, that can keep us in the game. The pitcher's job is to keep their, their team in the game. It's to give the, the defense opportunities to field their positions. It's the ability to get back in the dugout as fast as possible so we can score. You know, the pitcher controls everything apart about the game. And so we should expect, you know, all of our guys, no matter what situation or what role they're in, to come out and just shove. And that's the expectation. I don't care if they throw 70 miles an hour or if they throw 90 miles an hour. Like, this expectation is there that we're going to go out, we're going to get outs, we are good enough to get outs, and we're going we're gonna to play Ram baseball. What's the most important pitch? Strike one. Strike one. <laughs> <laughs> I have been surprising coaches with that question and so far you and the head coach from Galena are the two that I've surprised that question with and both of them and you as well have have gotten that correct which is great to hear this might be a difficult question to answer because you're new to the program so many kids some kids come every time some kids are other sports come a little bit of the time some kids haven't come at all but do you know anything about the lower levels any any guys who Maybe you remember from umpiring or maybe Coach Sheasel or maybe Coach um, Sullivan gave you some guys that might not be on the varsity squad this year, but you can see or they can see having a bright high school career. I mean, there's definitely names out there that we've been throwing around and we've been talking about um, when you spend as much time as we have been with these guys, you know, th those conversations happen. Um, but the thing is with the lower levels is you never know how guys are going to stack up and what they're going to be, you know, a year, two, three, four years from now, you, you don't know. And so these guys, you know, they might have ability, but they still have a lot to learn yet as far as the game goes. And, um, the freshman eighth grade group, you know, so far they've kind of been our best group of kids that have been showing up to off season stuff. So we know that they're hungry and they want to, to be better. And we know that they, they've bought into what we're trying to do. And, um, we're just going to kind of let the game decide, um, where those guys fall as we move forward. And us coaches are going to give them everything that we possibly can. You know, I, I spend time with the lower levels. I mean, that's why I've been kind of splitting up our practices between varsity sophomore and freshman, just because, I want to get my hands on them and I want them to know like, yes, I'm the varsity coach, but I'm also the leader of this program and they should know who I am and, and know what I believe in so that I can, can trickle down my, my values down to them. You know, one of my favorite things to do as a freshman coach was to reflect on previous years and 
looking at who was the best player on the varsity team and what were they as freshmen. And sometimes you'll see the best freshmen on a freshman team. Sometimes they don't make the varsity team. Sometimes they don't go out. Sometimes they don't play. Sometimes they're a role player. Sometimes they're a stud and they're an all-conference player. And a lot of it comes down to were they just one of those kids that were bigger, faster, stronger at a young age? Or was there somebody that just outworked them in the weight room or private instruction or going to these off-season workouts? So, yeah, just because a coach or somebody pins you as a great player, the next big thing as an eighth grader, if you don't put in the work nobody's going to hand you anything especially in the game of baseball last question before we welcome in our sponsor and our next coach and for the audience listening to this i am a huge detroit lions fan i can thank barry sanders for that when i watched him play on monday night football against the dallas cowboys and i said this is my team i didn't know that I was doomed for years and years and years of heartbreak. But they were featured last season on NFL Hard Knocks. And they asked Coach Dan Campbell at the end of the season, the last preseason practice, the 2022 Detroit Lions will. And he had a great answer. And it still gives me goosebumps. I actually played it back today. Listen before uh, I connect it with you. So same question, except we're just going to insert the Dubuque Senior Rams. The 2023 Dubuque Senior Rams will. The Dubuque Senior Rams, they will go out. We will compete on every pitch. We will learn. Um, we're going to make mistakes. We're going to learn from them, correct them so we get better throughout the season. So, you know, I've I've made very clear to our guys, you know, at the beginning of the year, we got to work out kinks and we got a lot to learn about each other. Even even me and, and Mike, we've we've talked a lot and, you know, him and I are going to be be working out some stuff and learning how we we operate during a game, too. But we're going to work together. And that's why together is our, our main theme this year is because we got to work hard together to, to solve problems. Um, to get better, to give these guys everything that they need, uh, give these seniors the opportunity and the the experience that they've been wanting. So we're just going to go out and compete. We're going to put our best attitudes, our best effort, our best body language forward, um, and we're just gonna we're gonna go play the game of baseball, and we're gonna learn the game of baseball and learn to love the game of baseball. When you come out to the senior baseball field, you should see a group of guys, whether it's freshman, sophomore, varsity, step on that field and seem like they're happy to be there and enjoy being there and want to pull for each other. Coach Soy, best of luck to you, your Rams players, your Rams coaches, and your Rams program on this 2023 season. Stick around for a word from our sponsors. Insurance today 
at 563-582-5834. Hitting out of the five hole in the 2023 Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast High School Season Preview is the Wallert Catholic Golden Eagles, and they are coached by Corey Tischer. Coach, welcome back to the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. Hey, hey, always a privilege to be here, Coach Manaman. Hope you're doing well, and as soon as the weather gets a little warmer here, which I know we both like, we're, we're, we're ready to go here. You know, I'm, I'm ready to go as well. And the weather is starting to turn, which means baseball is right around the corner. And you already have some guys playing baseball right now. Let's talk about guys from the past who are playing college baseball. You even have some guys in the professional ranks, whether it be coaching or playing. Who are they? Where are they playing or coaching? And how are they doing on this early season? Yeah, you bet. We do have a few guys like you talked about. Uh, the first one is uh, uh, Charlie Yeager. Charlie was a 2020 grad for us. He played two years over at Ellsworth, and now he's uh, he missed Dubuque, so he's back in Dubuque here over at Clark. Um, he's getting some time out of the bullpen for them. He's got some health issues that he's been working through. you know. So uh, he's typical Charlie. He's working his tail off, and uh, when the opportunity arises, he'll be ready to go. So we're, we're excited to keep following Charlie, Charlie here now that he's back in town even more. Uh, Christian Pruel, who was a 20 and 22 grad last year for us, he's over at Clark as well. You know, adjusting to college baseball, you know, and Clark obviously is a really, really good program. So it's hard for hard for a first year player to play anywhere, much less at a really good program. So um, as we're recording this, he hasn't been on the field here yet, but I know he's enjoying it and getting better over there. And then we have two other guys that are currently playing college baseball. Uh, Aaron Savory was another 2022 grad for us last year. Uh, he's down at the University of Iowa here. Um, had a really, really good fall for them, put up really, really good numbers, worked through some mechanical issues here this uh, off season. Um, recently got things back on track here, has thrown a little bit out of the bullpen for him, for them. You know, again, he's going to continue working hard, and he'll have some more opportunities here, I'm pretty confident, you know, as this spring season goes on for the Hawkeyes. And the last one uh, is Jake Brocious, a 2021 grad, down at, uh, you know, Coe College or Dubuque County, you know, whatever, Southwest or whatever you want to call it. All right. Uh, he's had a great start to the year here. He's an everyday starter for them in center field, batting out of the two or three hole, um, batting right around the 400 mark. So, you know, when you release this, hopefully he's still you know, over 300 there somewhere. But he's also 17 to 17 stolen bases. So good to see that that brush of speed is uh, happening on the base pass as well. So that's our four guys playing college baseball currently. And then you kind of refer to it. We do have uh, two alum that are currently in the professional ranks, um, one Tommy Speck. Who is a down with the Texas Rangers? Um, you know they just broke to go to their camps, but Tommy, uh, he's going to be staying down in Arizona for a little bit while, which is what they typically do with their high school grads, just doing extended spring training before shipping them off to uh, a ball. You know he'll probably he'll probably be out in North Carolina eventually, but he's going to be down in Arizona here for a little bit. And then uh, JJ Reimer, who was a 2011 grad, you know, and I know you know JJ personally as well. He's you know very very good. A baseball player. He has a lot of offensive records for us, but uh, he's in a Milwaukee Brewers organization, and he'll be the hitting coach uh, for the Low A Brewers team, which randomly, you know, potentially is the league that that Tommy will be in eventually. And then, uh, you know, depending on what happens with Ian Moeller, another debut guy here, you know. So I was fortunate to see both those guys went down to Arizona uh, over spring training. So I was fortunate to catch up with both those guys. So that's our alum that are uh, still doing their things uh, with levels above high school. Spring training is the greatest experience ever. I 
before children would go there every <laughs> single year. And before Coach Soy, Senior's new coach, moved back. Uh, he's my free room and board out there, and I saw how much lodging was, and um, I decided to sit this one out. But let's talk about the 2023 Wallert Catholic Golden Eagles. Wallert is coming off a year where they went 25 and 13 overall and were 19 and 11 in conference and the Eagles are graduating eight players from last year. Coach, looking forward, who are some of the all conference players that are returning or all state guys or all district and what is it about those guys that is about their game that gave them that elite status to um, be honored so highly from either the conference or from the state. Yeah, we, we did a really good uh, season last year. It just ended a little quicker than we all were planning on. And I know we'll talk about the guys that we lost here in a little bit. But, uh, yeah, we do have a fair amount of returning players left. Um, and, you know, guys that were got individual accolades as well. Um, you know, a couple of those here. You know, Ryan Brocious was a first-team All-State guy for us. Last year as an outfielder, you know, he returns and be in the outfield and, you know, be on the mound for us. There's a chance he could get moved to the infield this year as well. Um, and he's going down to the University of Iowa next year uh, to play baseball. Uh, Bryce Rudiger I was a first-team ball utility all-state guy last year. You know, Bryce was, a I don't want to say a surprise for us last year, but well, he just had a tremendous year um, offensively, you know, then on the mound, you know, I mean, what, a week before tournament started, he shut out West Dubuque, obviously went on a tremendous run there, so... You know, Bryce, Bryce is going to have another great year for us here. Uh, Patrick Fitzgerald, you know, he was an all-district and all-conference um, all player for us last year at second base. You know, he'll be the first one to tell you he, he's getting those because he put up really, really good offensive numbers. You know, he's continuing to improve on his uh, defensive game. You know, but he had a great year last year, last year as a junior. All right, and then Jack Walsh, he was an all-state kid for us as a sophomore. Numbers-wise, which right or wrong is a lot of what he's um, – individual awards after season are, 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 are on you know he didn't have numbers wise the best junior year you know but definitely being all state um as a sophomore you know he's gonna have a really good year for us he's got some versatility you know he'll catch play third and he'll be on the mound a little bit and then the other one um you know wasn't directly with up well, well it wasn't with us last year but Bodie Nagelmaker on um, the transfer that we got from Buke senior you know he got some um postseason awards for um senior last year within the conference so those are kind of the returning varsity guys that got postseason awards uh, in the 2022 season last year. And who are some of the guys last year that may have been returning starters but did not receive that recognition or maybe some role players who bounced around that are going to be back for the Eagles this year? Yeah, we have, we have a really, really big senior class, which uh, we love. And, and this close is su- this class is super, super close, like on the field, off the field. They do a lot of other sports together. You know, so we're excited. So, yeah, Seamus Graham was, for the most part, our full-time first baseman last year. He'll return. And then we have some part-time starters for us um, without the th- throughout the year last year that are back with uh, Zach Callahan, uh, Owen Wallace, both in the outfield, and then uh, Jack Gerd, who got some time at first base, and then some, um, you know, DDHing roles. So that, that's kind of our, you know, returning full-time, part-time starters from last season. It's early. It's uh, early April here. Walk us around the horn. Take us to the outfield. Who are some of those starters that are returning? What might the depth chart look like for some position battles going on? And and just uh, tell us a little bit more about your rosters and 
maybe some uh, in-depth scouting reports and some of the guys we haven't heard about yet. Yeah, for sure. Um, we're, you know, we're, we, it, it is early. We have a lot to figure out um, for sure. But we have, you know, you know, some pretty key spots, you know, when you look at the, at the baseball field that we just haven't had to replace in a few years, you know, losing a guy like Carson Kummer, who was pretty much our everyday shortstop last year and, you know, somewhat the last two years. So for us, our biggest thing is we need to figure out who's, who's going to be in the middle. You know, who's going to be our our shortstop, our second baseman, and center fielder. So, you know, starting at shortstop, we pretty much, um, it's going to be a three-man three man, um, battle. I don't want to say a battle because they're all, you know, two of them will be somewhere for sure, and a third one we'll figure out. But uh, uh, junior Brevin Hawkinson, who was a full-time shortstop last year on the sophomore team, he'll get a really good look to be a shortstop for us this year. And then Jack Walsh who, and Ryan Brocious, who filled in last year when Carson, you know, got got injured for a little bit. You know, those are two guys that will work there as well and just kind of see how things shake out here, you know, um, once we get rolling. Then sliding over to second base, you know, we like to have a good middle combination, and, you know, as an infielding guy here myself. But Patrick Gerald, we moved there last year. You know, he did a great job for us at second base. We anticipate him staying there as well this year, but he does have some versatility. Again, um, we have a lot of guys with some versatility, but we anticipate him being at second base and then – you know, with a senior Colin Cronin um, possibly backing him up, along with juniors Brevin Hawkinson and Spencer Comer, and then uh, a couple sophomores potentially as well. And then sliding over to the corner infield, which I know is your, you know, your favorite in the infield there. You know, we expect Seamus Curahan to pretty much be our, for the most part, everyday first baseman, you know, except when he's pitching. And, when, you know, when he's pitching, you can see a, a jacker slide over there, or potentially a Spencer Comer. And then uh, finishing up the infield over at third base. Again, it's so much of it's going to dictate on, you know, who's that short and second, to be honest with you. You know, so a lot of the guys that we just talked about, you know, Jack Walsh has played a lot of third base. You know, he's our probably best third baseman, you know, but just a matter of where where else we potentially might need him. You know, Brevin Hawkinson, who I've talked about a couple of times, has some versatility. You know, then Spence Comer and then uh, Bryce Rudiger, you know, who, um, you know, grew up as an infielder. We played him a lot more in the outfield last year, but he could be a possibility over there at third base as well. Um you want to go behind the plate right now? You want to go behind the dish? Let's do it. I just want to jump in here. Bryce Rudiger is the returning home run king for the Eagles last year. He dropped four home runs and was also tied with Patrick Fitzgerald in RBIs with 29. So the majority of your offensive leaders from last year are returning. Let's talk around the dish, and then we'll take a trip on out to the outfield as well. You know, I know as an umpire, you want you want a good catcher that's going to be protecting you. You know that that, that that face of yours. You know, also somebody that's going to talk to you throughout the game. So this is probably your favorite here. But uh, you know, Jack Walsh. I mean, we, we catch two guys. We've we've had this discussion before. But Jack Walsh has been back there the last two years. He's going to be back there again this year. You know, maybe not as much as he was in years past, just because we're going to use him more on the mound and just some versatility. You know, but he'll definitely be back there. And then uh. Bodie Nagelmaker, you know, um, transfer from Dubuque Senior, was, you know, one of Senior's two catchers last year. You know, he's got a huge upside, so we're excited to where, uh, you know, you know where Bodie's going to be this year. And then actually we have a, you know, we have a, another sophomore catcher in Carter Brandt who's really, really good, you know. Um, so we'll just kind of see how things shake out there exactly. And then, uh, you know, bump it to the outfield. Like, this is definitely the deepest we've been in the outfield in, in, in quite some time. You know, we have some guys that have, then outfielders for a better part of their whole career, you know, you know, after freshman, sophomore year, we moved some infielders out there and it's kind of all circulating here this year where we have, 
we have a lot of guys that we really don't know, you know, who's going to be where exactly and how much and when. But the, the returners in the outfield, you know, Ryan Brocious, Bryce Rudiger, Owen Wallace, and Zach Callahan, those, those are four of our top five outfielders last year, you know, along with Ben Freed, who graduated. And then Bodie Nagelmaker, you know, when he's not catching, you know, he can run some corner outfielder as well. And then some newcomers, you know, you know, to the varsity or potentially to the varsity that could be in the mix out there is junior Isaac Pfeiffer and then sophomores Will Speck and Fody Rigagopoulos. You know, so we feel we have potentially eight, eight guys that we could plug into some spots out there depending on how things shake out. So, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be a work in progress for us. We know that through practice in the first couple weeks of games before we kind of, you know, shake out, you know, what maybe our everyday lineup could potentially be. You threw a lot of names out there, and I wish you wouldn't have mentioned the umpire thing because I like to stay under the radar, and I like to go unnoticed when I'm on the field, but uh, you are right. Um, catcher is, is a huge uh, position, and you talked about Carter Brandt. Wow, talk about a kid that can frame it. He sits very low, easy to call strikes on, frames that outside pitch really well. Saw him throw a guy out from his knees last year. Also, your freshman catcher, um, I believe he played all around. Uh, Brody Schumacher also did a great job behind the plate as well, and I know he also played some middle infield. Will Specht. I did a lot of sophomore games, did a lot of Wallert games last year because I was signed up late to umpire, and Wallert just plugged me in for a whole bunch of games. I would argue that Will Speck right now has the best outfield arm in Dubuque. And I'm not talking as a sophomore. I'm talking all baseball players combined. Um, He was throwing the ball to all bases very well last year all on a straight line. Um, I did have a couple plays at the plate with him cutting guys down there, but you mentioned the umpire thing, and I just want to give a shout-out to your fans. I know I've shared this with you personally, but I did a lot of Wallert games last year, and I did not have one single complaint from a single coach. I did not have a single complaint from a single player. I did not have a single complaint from a single fan. The entire season not any hey blue that was up or hey blue he was safe nothing at all the entire year I really enjoyed my time at Wallert and I do know I missed a couple calls because one of the freshman team's (laughs) first base coaches was always very polite to me we talked all throughout the game and then one game he stopped talking to me because I I I believe I missed a call at second base but (laughs) fans were great it was it was enjoyable to be there got to know a lot of your kids really really high character kids over there we got to talk about the pitching staff because that makes coaches' jobs a lot easier, makes the defense jobs a lot easier if they're throwing strikes, and my end on the umpire as well if they're throwing strikes. The Eagles have to replace five pitchers. They need to replace eight wins, 85 innings overall, and you do have to replace your number one from many years and for many years, Aaron Savory, who is now at Iowa, was the Gatorade player of the year how are we going to do that how's the pitching staff looking I'm guessing if I'm a betting man Bryce Rudiger is probably going to be your number one he'll probably get the game ball on opening day but tell us a little bit about Rudy tell us how the rest of the rotation shakes out and you know give us a little background what what are what are guys throwing what pitches might we see from some of these guys when they're on the mound 
Yeah, we did. I mean, you said it about making coaches' jobs easier. I mean, when you give Aaron Savory the ball, you know, when we're on defense, you know, most of the time as coaches, well, we, we can sit back and uh, start thinking, you know, maybe about offensive strategies and whatnot. Because, uh, you know, when Aaron was on the mound, you know, we give him a run or two and we're, we're going to win the ball game most of the time. And, you know, that's probably not going to be happening too much this year. But, you know, even, even a Ben Freed, you know, we, we will not have a lefty on the varsity um, to begin the, se- the season. You know, which which Ben had a great role for us, and then even a Christian Pruel who threw a lot of meaningful innings. So those are you know three guys that did a lot for us last year. So yeah, you know Bryce Rudiger, we we anticipate him going from that number two role to the quote unquote number one role. Um, whether or not he's our opening night starter, there's a lot of variables. We got state track week one. You know we're playing eight games week one, so yeah, whether or not it's opening night, we'll we'll, we'll see. But yeah, we expect Bryce to slide over. You know Bryce is just, I mean. He's just a, a, he's just a strong young man. I don't know what, like Bryce is, he's just an athlete. Like we're super fortunate to be able to have a guy like Kim, you know, you know, he, he'll be, he'll be mid eighties for sure. A lot of run on his fastball. You know, he's got a, a, a pretty good slider, hard curve, whatever you want to say, and a developing changeup. So, you know, we're hoping we see the Bryce Rudiger that I threw against West Dubuque, like I talked about, because when, when Bryce is on, um, you know, it's really hard to square up some baseballs against him. You know, after that, you know, we are pretty much top five arms are all seniors. They all threw a lot for us last year, you know. So when we do this next year, you know, our pitching staff will probably be a lot more up in the air. But uh, Jack Walsh has been our closer the last two years. You know, he's going on to co-college. I know they're excited him in many ways, including on the mound. You know, we're, we're going to get Jack a little more extended here. We anticipate him, you know, to be probably a little bit more of a starter here for us, you know, depending on how many games a week, you know, because we do like that closer role as well. But, no, he's another mid-80s guy. I mean, he's got a really, really plus changeup, you know. So, again, he's he's done a great role for us, but we'll probably see him on the mound more this year. And then the other three seniors, all right, who we anticipate to be our, you know, our pretty much five starters will be Ryan Brocious. You know, he's going to throw strikes. He's not going to overpower anybody, just try to miss barrels and let the defense play. You know, Zach Callahan, who, um, you know, Zach is a very detailed and analytical guy and, you know, he's been being able to hooked up to some rap soto and really trying to pull in his pitches. So he's put in some time here, both on the mental side of it, to really, you know, do some things. We're expecting a great year out of Zach. And then Seamus Crahan, another senior. You know, again, not a guy that's going to overpower anybody. He's going to locate some pitches, throw strikes, and, you know, let his defense help him. So that's pretty much going to be our, what we think will be our top five arms, at least to start the, you know, that will throw a lot of innings for us. And they just have to be all seniors as well. Going back to um, Bryce Rudiger. Oh, sorry. Here. Go ahead, man. He uh, last year was eight and one. Opponents hit one thirty three off him, and it had an ERA of one point eight nine. I sent you a text message last year, and I yeah, said, I, I think I might get a lot of crap for this, but when I do my postseason awards and I do the All Dubuque team, I think Bryce Rudiger is the pitcher of the year. And then I think shortly after I said that or I sent you that text, he had a start where he got uh, knocked around and his ERA went from below one to one. But still, heck of a year eight and one. Jack Walsh last year had had three saves. And I know my difficult thing when I was coaching, when I had a catcher that was also a pitcher, when do you yeah. throw them in the week? Because you need to have them behind the plate. And sometimes my catchers were always closers because sometimes my backup catcher 
couldn't give me six or seven solid innings like my starter could. So it'll be nice to see Jack in that role. I know you mentioned Bodie Nagelmaker is a catcher, so there won't be any drop-off at all going from catcher one to catcher two. Now, what were you going to say before I jumped in there? Yeah, no, I mean, uh, then, I mean, because we're, I mean, we, we're, we'll throw 10, 10 to 12, 10 guys will throw a lot of innings, but we'll probably even have more 10, 10 guys that step on the mound for us, you, you know, so some spot starters and relievers that, like I said, will throw meaningful innings for us at various times this year. You know, seniors Nick Piero um, and Michael Spahn, you know, both throughout the bullpen for a little for us last year. And then juniors Brevin Hawkinson and Spencer Comer. You know, those are two guys that um, threw a decent amount on the sophomore team last year that we're excited, you know, to see how they fit into our staff this year. And then kind of the, the unknown factors, because, I mean, I'm sure you can remember back to your coaching days, like, we just don't see our sophomore team play a lot because the sophomore and varsity teams are playing at the same time, you know, at different fields. So we see our sophomores and we see our freshmen a lot more than we see our sophomores. So we have, we have a handful of sophomores that were as freshmen last year up on the sophomore team, you know, that we think, um, might have some opportunities for us this year. You know, um, Will, Will Piero, I mean, he's throwing, you know, low to mid eighties right now. You know, he's, he'll have a real good chance possibly to be up with us at some point, you know. And then, uh, Will Specht and Fodorogopoulos, who we talked about as possession, as potentially position players, they both, you know, have some, has some skill on the mound here as well. So, you know, that's kind of our pitching staff here in April. You know, I think that's probably 11 or 12 guys. And, you know, like I said, we're playing a ton of games week, week one, actually week one and two, which I like to do on purpose. We're probably playing a few more than we actually probably should be. You know, because we'll be down a couple guys there with state track. But, uh, you know, I think we'll have a better idea, you know, after the first two weeks of games, kind of how all this is going to shake out for us this year. That really bothers me that the season got moved up a week. But <laughs> as, a, as a coaching standpoint, it gives you an opportunity to play some guys that maybe not have had an opportunity. So maybe you find a diamond in the rough there that uh, maybe – was somebody that would not have gotten a chance if your state track guys weren't away. Who are some of the players at the lower level, whether it be incoming freshmen or incoming sophomores, that you think have an opportunity to have a bright high school career, but we might not see them this year at the varsity level? Yeah, we've talked about it, you know, a couple. We, we, I mean, we have a huge sophomore class. You know, I think we have 20, I think we have 22 sophomores, uh, 21 or 22, without me looking back, I'm not going to. All right. So which for us, that, that's a really, really, really big class. You know, we've talked about, you know, four of them, you know, obviously Bodie's going to start the year up with us, you know, and then there's four others that we wouldn't be surprised, you know, that we'll get some opportunity this year. And then there's another, you know, four or five that have really, really, really developed from last year that, you know, we know aren't going to be up with us at any point this year, but we're excited to see how their year goes um, throughout this year to, um, you know, for, for next year, which I don't want to jump ahead, you know, uh, like a Joe Hinker. I mean, Joe's gotten a lot stronger, a lot more athletic, so we're kind of excited to see his path. And, you know, a few others, I should have jotted their name down here, but I didn't. So I'm not even going to talk about any more because uh, I know I'm going to miss one or two more, and I, I just don't want to go down on that road. But our, our freshman class, we're as big as our sophomore classes. Our freshman class is a little bit smaller. We have, we have four – yeah, we have our freshman class is smart. We have, we have 14 freshmen, you know, uh, a Brandon Comer, you know, he's, he's, he was on the sophomore team last year as an eighth grader, you know, a lefty pitcher, which we love. And he's, he had a great year for us last year, you know, and he's even better this year. We're excited to follow his path, but 
you know, he's a, he's a freshman. We're super excited about it. He'll start the year on the sophomore team, you know, and there's a couple other ones. Um, you actually, uh, a Brody Schumacher, you know, who you talked about here earlier as a catcher. I know, uh, he, you know, he, he probably doesn't want to catch too much and we're actually fairly deep at the catching position, even at the eighth grade and ninth grade level. So Brody will probably do a lot more middle infield and then just catch here and there, you know, then, uh, Evan Anderson. Uh, as a pitcher was another one that had a really good eighth, eighth grade year. But again, there's, there's another, you know, three or four, but those were a couple that kind of probably had a little bit better, uh, years last year at, as eighth graders at various levels. And then it's like every other, it, it's a, it's a weird thing for us. We have a huge class, a smaller class, huge class. We have 26 eighth graders that are, that are signed up for water baseball right now, which is really awesome. Um, but also can be, can be a challenge. Um, you know, and they, we've, we kind of do things differently with them. They've only been really come to our workouts here, you know, the last two or three weeks. So usually about spring break is when we have the eighth graders come. But, um, you know, there's, there, there's a handful there. That, again, I'll be honest with you, like our Waller staff can't take any credit for. It's strictly work they've done. But there, there's a handful there that are really, really skilled that we are super excited to follow their path. And then obviously, you know, keep working with them and, and the others and see how they develop in our program here to see how things that shake out for them here over the course of their five years in our program. You mentioned the Comer kid. I did a game or two with him. And one thing that goes really unnoticed that the average fan would not notice that really impressed me about him is he's got a good pickoff move. And that right there with with runners on base, if you can shut down that running game, that was huge. I believe I did a game where he threw a perfect game. I'm not 100% sure, but um, I, I think I heard some chatter in the dugout during that time. Now, Coach, again, thank you for joining me on the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. Last question before we yeah, get a word from our sponsor, and then we welcome in our next coach. Now, you know this. The fans may not know this, but I am a huge, huge Detroit Lions fan. And last year they were featured on HBO's Hard Knocks. And they ended that season with a question to Dan Campbell. And I thought it was a great question to end a season of Hard Knocks. And I am wearing my Detroit Lions stocking cap right now. And it's not because the Detroit Lions knocked the Packers out of the playoffs. It's because I have two little kids. They are both sleeping. And I am doing this (laughs) April 3rd in my garage with all of my equipment on a garbage can and I am standing up. Yes. So that's why I'm wearing the Detroit Lions stocking cap. Not, not to rub anything in. It's because uh, when this podcast started, I had one daughter who was here half the time and now I have two little rugrats running around and I cannot wake them up or else it'll be a long night. But the question was the 2022 Detroit Lions will. Same question, but we're going to flip it to 2023, and we're going to plug in the Wallert Golden Eagles. So the 2023 Wallert Catholic Golden Eagles will. Yeah, I, I heard you ask this question on a few other uh, podcasts that I do tune in to, to most of them. And, and the first two things that pumped it, uh, jumped in my head about this team, it's going to be a very fun and competitive group, both competitive group, both in practice training sessions and in games. You know, um, our, we have a big senior class, like I talked about, and, uh, you know, they're all really, really close and, you know, they love to compete. They don't care what it is. They want to compete. All right. So we're super excited about the, the group, how much fun they're going to have, how much they're going to compete. You know, it's also probably the most versatile team 
that we've had in quite some time. You know, very few players, and we've talked about Dennis, you know, quick little session here, you know, our position lock. We have, we have a lot of athletes, you know, that are really good baseball players, you know, that can play multiple positions. So we're excited uh, for the fun we're going to have this year and how we're going to compete against each other and when we are able to compete against other teams as well. You know, and, um, you know, I'm going to put one little thing in that. With your Lions hat, my man, you know, that game, you know, that's how I'm ending you know, the Aaron Rodgers career with the Packers here, it's appearing. So um, I would say I appreciate you and that hat, but I, I do appreciate you and everything you do to support, um, you know, baseball and the city of Dubuque and all around this county, even though I don't appreciate the hat you're wearing right now. I appreciate the kind words and uh, best of luck to you, the Wallert Catholic Golden Eagle baseball program, your players, your coaches and your families on this upcoming 2023 season. Stick around for a word from our sponsor and next as we welcome in our next coach. Closing out the show for the 2023 high school season preview of the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast is new Beckman coach Ryan Mabe. And boy, does he have some big shoes to fill with the departure of the retiring Fred Martin. And then before that... Tom Jink Jr. Coach, welcome back to the podcast. Do you mind if we start off with a couple audience questions? That's fine. Yeah. Thanks for having me. These audience questions are sponsored by the New Eagle Insurance. So check them out. Thank you for being a sponsor of the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. First one came in from Nate Offerman and some of your players. Tell me a little bit, what is this Maberham Lincoln they've been sending me? Uh, yeah, they're a funny group. Um, so I've been coaching at Beckman uh, five years as an assistant basketball coach. Um, and uh, Logan Bircher, the kid that graduated last year, he's had some fun with my last name and just coming up with things that uh, he can use to call me. And Maberham Lincoln is one of them. So uh, they've he's got quite a... Quite a, quite a list, actually. Maybe Ruth came up last year, so um, uh, they just like to have a lot of fun, and I don't get too uh, too hard on them as far as what they call me outside of. I mean, obviously, serious situations, they require serious things, but um, we have some fun, and he was a kid that liked to have fun and joke around, and um, yeah, he had some quite the doozy names for me. It's great to keep it fun. If we're not having fun, why be at the ballpark if we're not having right. fun? Why go out for baseball? We did have another one come in, more of a serious one. The uh, author asked to remain anonymous, but you are a new coach joining a very, very tradition-rich program. I know that every new coach that comes in tries to put their own spin on the team or the program or their new philosophies on a new program. What are you wanting to keep around that Tom Jink Jr. installed and also Fred Martin kept? And what new things might we see from the Beckman Blazers that we had not seen in years past? Uh, yeah, no, it's a, it's a good question for sure. Um, stepping into a program that has high expectations, which I'd definitely rather be in that situation the opposite, where, you know, coming into a program that, you know, winning five games is – like a success. That's not the way this is. So um, really I'm not looking to reinvent the wheel. Um, a lot of things will stay the same and it really helps being the assistant last year, seeing how things run, see what works. Um, and 
Honestly, I'll be keeping a lot of things the same. Uh, not a lot of changes as far as uh, philosophy goes. Um, try to just uh, use what was successful. And last year, we had a lot of success. So really not trying to change too much. Um, with us being a private school, I have um, committed to bringing more faith into our uh, program. So just um, giving them an opportunity to talk about faith and talk about, you know, um, I believe our, our abilities are given to us um, from God. And that is something that I'll be openly talking about. And that's um, probably the biggest change that we'll have, honestly. And that's not a huge change because that's something we talk about at our Catholic school. So, Coach, we know that Beckman is a traditional rich program, lots of players. Is there anybody currently playing college baseball? If so, who are they? Where are they playing? And how are they doing? Yeah, so um, got a couple of kids over at Mount Mercy, Joel Vasky and Jackson Bennett. Uh, Joel, I think he's slugging about 530, 550 for them. Um, he has a few homers, a few triples, a bunch of doubles, so he's doing pretty well. And then Jackson Bennett's 3-1 and one on the mound for him, so they're having some success at Mount Mercy. Um, and then our level two coach, uh, Carter Petchy, he's over at Luther, and he had Tommy John last after last season, so I know he's still kind of um, – I haven't seen any pitching stats for him, so um, but he's over at Luther, and I think he's helping them out a little bit too. Coach, last year was a remarkable run in Fred Martin's last year for the Blazers. The Blazers went twenty-five and fourteen overall, sixteen and eight in the conference, and it ended with a trip to the state tournament. How special was last year? At one point, you guys had the champion on the ropes. I thought you had him there for a second, and then the wheels just uh, kind of fell off. But talk to us about that season, what it means to the children, what it means to the players and moving forward, and then what it means for yourself as a new coach using that as a building block. Yeah, no, last year was a lot of fun. Um, the kids were just great to be around. There was great leadership on seniors. It was really just an all-around great group. We had hitting, pitching. Um, we filled the ball pretty well. Um, I mean, Luke Sigworth was one of the best kept seekers in the state. Um, we kind of had that in our back pocket. We threw out their state semifinals and shut down one of the best offenses, no matter the class, in Van Meter for um, almost six innings. So just seeing what he did um, – that was, I mean, he's getting that close for us, but we didn't have to use him most of the year just because we were so deep. Um, but yeah, just it was a very special season. Um, kids did a great job. They're just showing up and doing their jobs and uh, had some great senior leadership and some great kids coming back this year that um, I really expect to set the tone for us again. Um, uh, Luke Shields being the number one and Nate Offerman, uh, the ace uh, for us. So those two kids, I expect them to be um, the two kids that kind of set the tone for us. And it's just big to have that state. Cause I think getting down there is a big deal. Um, and it makes it a little bit easier uh, the following year to not be as tense. You know, you've been there done that. So just hoping to use the success we had in the past to vault us forward. Coach, talk to your players at the lower level and talk to the kids at the youth level. I think some people have that perception that you show up on the first day of practice, you roll out the baseballs, you roll out the bats, and Beckman is just good every year and 
That's just because they're Beckman. But talk to the youth here in the area, especially your area. What do those kids, what do those families not see that those kids put in behind the scenes that they don't see on game day or they don't see when they're driving past the commercial club seeing a practice? What all the extra effort and preparation goes in in the off season to have a successful season? Yeah, no, we've been uh, open gym started in January, so we've been we've been working at this uh, as much as we can twice a week, trying to get guys in there. And um, the first night, I think we had forty kids show up. So just having that just shows that there's a want to be there. They want to be there. I mean, a lot of our kids play three to four sports. We're a small school, so we can't have all these sports. We don't have uh, multi-sport athletes, and we do a really good job of doing that. So just a, there's a lot of work going on the back end. I mean, Luke Shields at almost 500 last year, and he's at almost every open gym taking probably about 100, 150 swings. So whether it's on the tee, soft toss, um, a little bit of live, but he's um, a guy that's putting in the work, and that's what it takes. I mean, he knows that it's not just going to come again this year. It's not going to be just that easy. So just um, just putting in the swings, really, just putting in the swings, getting the, getting that arm going early, um, not just showing up, you know, the first day of practice and just, like you said, just rolling the balls out there and expecting to be successful. It's not how it works. Coach, I mentioned earlier that you're coming off a 25-14 and 14 season overall, 16-8 and eight in the conference. Beckman is graduating seven seniors, and they are graduating Owen Hewengarth, who was one of the biggest run producers in the area. So looking forward to the 2023 Blazers, are there any all-conference players or any all-state players returning? If so, who are they? Tell us a little bit about them and their year previously. And what did they do to receive such a distinct honor of being named all-conference or all-district or all-state? Yeah, so off the bat, uh, Luke Shields will be a senior this year, center fielder for us. He was first-team All-State outfielder, um, hit 496, I want to say it was, was one hit away from hitting 500. Um, so, but it, I, I'll, I'm biased, obviously, but I'll say he's probably the best center fielder in the state, no matter the class. Um, but a, did a really good job at the plate, did a really good job in the outfield for us last year. Um, so he was first-team All-State. Um, and then we have Nate Offerman returning. He was second team all conference last year. Uh, he'll be our shortstop and then our ace on the mound as well. So, um, and he's a kid that hit. So Shields let it off for us. And then off he was our three hitter most of the year, two or three hitter, depending on the when he watched us. Um, Luke Sigworth's coming back. He was uh, started the infield, moved the outfield. Um, another kid that was second team all conference, uh, second team all district. Uh, Another very good hitter. Put him in the outfield. He didn't skip a beat. Honestly, very did made some great plays in left field that helped us um, out there. And then uh, Eli Cleese, their second team All Conference, hit 500 in the Womack last year. And I've already told the story on there about how he wasn't even on our team to start the year. So that was a kid that it was just a fun little story that he showed up and just he took advantage of an opportunity he had and ran with it. Um, it ended up being second team All Conference and. Um, those are four kids that um, we'll definitely rely on this year in the order. As much as I hate that week early start, 
it does give some guys an opportunity to play that may have never had an opportunity to play if you would have had your full roster there from day one. That is probably the only thing that I like about it. And I know that we don't like to pump Luke up too much, but you failed to mention that Luke last year was named the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast Offensive Player of the Year, which talking to Luke, he said that was his most prestigious honor is getting named that by by Coach Manman. Are there any other returning starters that we saw last year that maybe not have made a first team or made an all-conference or an all-district team but had a heck of a year for you guys? Yeah, uh, I'll start with uh, Matthew Florence. He'll be our – so he's going to be our – catcher this year um so uh he honestly could have caught for a lot of schools last year but with kindergarten ahead of him that's tough so he played a lot of outfield for us uh really came on at the end uh, i think he ended with only a couple like three doubles i want to say two of them were at the state tournament um so as a sophomore he came on real strong he'll be a junior for us this year um probably a guy that you plug in the top four spots in the order so um he's put a lot of work into it he's stronger just been swinging the bat really well this uh off season um, Jackson Oberbrockling's a kid that started last year. He hit about 300 as a sophomore last year. He just, you know, he was kind of the backside of the Eli Kleesner. So um, he didn't hit great to start the season. Eli took advantage and ended up being a guy that took his spot. But Jackson's a kid that I think, um, don't be surprised if he hits 350 this year and hits four homers. He's a kid that, um, I've actually played semi-pro baseball in Rickersville, uh, with him when he's a freshman, he probably he probably hit 350 for Rickersville in semi-pro. So he's a kid that I know can hit. It's just he went through a rut. And it just happened to begin the season and kind of lost his shot there. Um, Drew Thier is a kid that played a little bit last year for us, the infield. Um, expect him to, again, play the infield and pitch. Um, and he's been hitting pretty well this spring. Um, and then Dylan Ranker was a freshman last year that we brought up to play third base at the end. Um, he's, he'll be a sophomore. He'll be a kid that'll um, definitely be seeing some time. And then at third, and then probably on the mound as well. Coach, you mentioned Matt Florence, and as a sophomore, he hit 328, got on base at a 460 rate. You mentioned his three doubles had eight RBIs. Also, from the catcher position, looks like he's providing a little bit of speed. He stole eight bases in 11 attempts. Walk us around the horn here. Right now, um, it is early April, but what's the depth chart look like? Who might be some of those guys that – might be starting on opening day and some other guys fighting for positions on that infield position. Yeah. Um, so yeah, flow, I mean, flow catching. And if we, um, if we have our best pitcher on the mound, it's probably Nate Offerman. Um, Dylan Raker, like I said, will probably play third base. Um, we lost Nick Schmidt, but his younger, younger brother, Jake Schmidt will be a sophomore. He got a Jersey last year and was on the roster. Uh, didn't see any time, but, He's a kid that'll be, you know, battling for a spot up the middle. Uh, Drew Thier is another kid that'll be, I talked about, that played a little bit last year, that'll be battling for a spot up the middle. Um, first base is a spot that we lost Logan Burchard. That's going to be, we got a few kids, uh, seniors. They got um, uh, Rob Kronlog, he's a kid that I can see playing there. Isaac Barrick's another senior I can see playing there. They're both um, very capable bats. Uh and then also looking at possibly having Jackson Oberbrothing play there. That's kind of an open spot for us. Outfield, left field, you got Luke Sigworth. That's probably spoken for in center field. Luke Shields, that's spoken for just with what they did last year. Um, 
right field's another spot that we that's where Matthew Florence was playing a lot last year, so that kind of opened up. So that's a spot for you know Jackson Orbach also plays outfield, a spot for him. Um, and then Eli Kleisner, uh, that's a kid that we he was kind of an infielder last year, moved into the outfield just because I saw him probably more of a feature in the outfield. So um, worked a bit with him last year doing that. So um, and then Spencer Ray's another senior that. He's a kid I could see playing the outfield as well. Um, and there's other kids that are battling for spots. It's going to be um, – there's some obviously spoken for, but there's some spots that will definitely be battles. Little side note on Spencer Ray. My last year coaching for the Western Dubuque Bobcats, he was my starting center fielder as an eighth grader on the freshman team. And uh, if my mind serves me well, a lot of things have gone on me, but my mind is still there. He could track – a fly ball down, very good defensive outfielder. So hopefully he can provide a spark with the bat as well. Now let's go on to the pitching staff. You mentioned Nate Offerman earlier, probably earning that opening day start. But Beckman is losing a lot on the pitching staff. They have to replace five pitchers, have to replace 14 wins, and 163 innings. Tell us a little bit about Nate. How does the rest of the pitching staff shape up? You mentioned Siggy, Luke Sigworth last year was your closer with five saves. Is he going to work his way into the rotation or is he going to be a back-end guy as well? Tell us about the pitchers for Beckman. Yeah, the pitching is definitely going to be the one spot where we there's a question mark for sure. That's going to be probably the biggest battle is who's going to throw strikes, who's going to be able to eat innings for us. Um, yeah, off he's definitely number one. Siggy will probably see more starts this year. Um, there was a little bit of arm trouble last year with him, but um, he's doing well so far this year. Sits around mid-80s right now with a good slider. So um, if we can get him to lengthen out a little bit, we'll definitely use him that way. Um, and then we just got just a, a bunch of lists of guys. I mentioned Rob Cronlaw, you can pitch. Um, Spencer Ray, he's also a cousin of uh, Colin Ray. Um, so has a little bit of baseball ability there so um spencer is a kid that throws you can hit about 80 low 80s on the mound just trying to get the consistency out of them there um dylan raker and jake schmidt the infielders they can also see them on the mound drew sears a kid i can see pitching for us quite a bit um had a lot looked really promising last year just couldn't find the curveball once he got into games but i think he's a kid that'll see um out there a bunch um, Luke Shields is a kid I think can help us on the mound a little bit. Um, don't have a ton of lefties in our system, but um, Joe Kilkutsky is a lefty soft tosser that if he throws strikes, I think he can be um, tough, just get ground balls. So uh, Jackson Oberoff, I think I see on the mound as well. So there's a lot of kids. We got a lot of spots there that, again, we don't have anything set for pitching. We have like a one, two, three, four, five. Um, I'd say our one and two are. This, um, with Offy and Sigs, but after that, you know, it's going to be um, who can provide those innings on the mound and who can be consistent for us. A couple stats here from the pitching staff from last year. Nate Offerman went 8-3 and three and had an ERA below 3 of 2.56. One of the most impressive stats on your pitching staff came from Luke Sigworth. His batting average against was 171, so people really had a Hard time uh, barreling it up against Luke Sigworth. It'll be exciting to see him in a more predominant starting role, possibly, for the Blazers here. Now, 
Coach, I know Beckman is a very traditional baseball program, tradition rich. And are there any guys in the program, whether they'd be an eighth grader or a freshman or a sophomore, that are not necessarily going to make the varsity team this year, or we might not see on varsity, but you could see them having a bright future. Maybe they're gridlocked at a position where they're a first baseman. And actually, you said first base was open. Maybe they're a starting center fielder and they have to hit behind one of the leading hitters in the state. Or maybe they're a catcher and they have to sit a year or two behind uh, Matthew Florence. But Or maybe their body's just not ready yet being an eighth grader. But who are some of the promising youngsters in the program that you could see having a bright future for Beckman in the next couple of years? Yeah, no, um, a couple of freshmen that have been showing up just since, since like, we don't, we don't have eighth graders play for our freshman team. We're one of the few programs that don't have to dip into our eighth. We, we just have one team and our freshmen, we have a good enough number. This year we have 18 freshmen actually signed up. So, um, with one team, that's plenty. Um, but, uh, Chase White and Carter White, Chase White's probably one of their better athletes in the, in their grade. Um, probably going to play shortstop pitch for the freshman level. And then their catcher Carter White. Um, he does a really good job receiving in our bullpens and definitely see him be a future starting catcher for us. Um, and then our sophomore group really, they were coached by Matt Ums growing up and they all really know the game really well. Um, so it's hard to really pick out one or two of those guys because they really, if they would all just stick it out until their senior year, we could honestly start nine seniors if they would all just stick it out because they all know the game really well. They've been taught it really well. They just have good instincts. Um, and it's really makes it easy on coaches like us that I mean we don't have to teach the game because they really understand just secondary leads getting good jumps reading the outfielders on fly balls different things like that um it's just already ingrained into their brain and they know what they're doing so um honestly our sophomore group's a really good group I hope they all stick it out um I know it's tough when you don't play right away but um if they all stick it out I think they could start nine seniors when they're um seniors coach little bit of a story before I ask you our last question and we hit into that podcast killing double play and we end the marathon, which is the 2023 high school season preview. I knew at this time last year that it was probably Coach Fred Martin's last year. He told me when um, we did his preseason interview And I held that secret until it was announced in the TH. And I was really excited that he was stepping away for one selfish reason. And that is because Fred does nothing with technology. So our interviews were me talking to him on the phone with my phone on speaker (laughs) holding up my phone to my computer microphone and then adding an audio boost through my platform so we could somewhat hear Fred. So, Fred, I hope you're still around the game. I hope you're doing well. I hope you're doing well with your retirement. But I am so glad that Coach Mabe and I can connect over a Zoom. He responds to an email. He responds to a text message. It has made life so much easier. But, Fred, I just want to tell you congratulations and thank you for everything you did for the youth in Dyersville Beckman. I know I got to play with a couple of your kids, uh, Danny and Billy in perfect game. And it was always great playing with those guys and connecting with you as well. Last question. And I stole this from a football show, uh, 
2022 Hard Knocks when my favorite team, the Detroit Lions, was featured. And they ended that season with the last episode asking Dan Campbell, the 2022 Detroit Lions will. And then they have since showed clips from the season of them on their amazing run they made toward the end of the year with his speech. So I thought it was pretty inspiring. I thought it was really good. Same question, but we're going to change the year. We're going to change the team. The 2023 Beckman Catholic Trailblazers will. Um, I would say we're going to give good effort on the field. I think we're going to have a very solid fielding team. I think we're going to hit. Um, obviously, baseball is the one game where you can do everything right as a hitter. You can hit line drives all day to center field, and if it's just being caught, it's being caught. Um, but I expect us to pick up where we did last year. I don't know if we're going to hit 350 as a team. That's big <laughs> like we did last year, but I think we'll hit. Um, I expect our fielding to be great, um, and I think we'll have very good leadership, and I expect us to have success. Um, I think the postseason in baseball is tough because high school baseball is the one spot. I mean, college baseball, you have to lose two to be done. I mean, professional baseball, you got to lose at least two to be done. High school baseball is one spot where it's one and done. So just the one bad day. So um, that's kind of what – I mean, to see what Jenk did, it's going to say that as many times he did. That's just – it's incredible because, again, it's one and done. So not going to say that we're going to go to a state tournament for sure, but um, it's definitely a goal of ours. And I think that you'll see uh, – have success. The first week's going to be tough. We, we're going to grind it out. We're going to play a bunch of good teams. But um, I think that the 2023 uh, Beckman baseball team will leave a legacy for sure. Coach Mabe, thank you for taking 20 or so minutes out of your day to join me on the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. Best of luck to you in your first year and your program as well. And ending this episode, thank you to all the sponsors. Thank you to all the listeners. If you have not yet checked out the preseason All Dubuque team, go check it out. It is a great episode. 643, we're out of here. Thank you for listening to the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. Don't forget to stop by Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star review, and also subscribe on Spotify.